Welcome to Saucer Cinema, the podcast about UFOs, aliens, and otherworldly phenomena in film, TV, and other media. I'm your host, Alex. On this episode, I'm joined again by Eleanor Russell to talk about 2022's Nope, directed by Jordan Peele. everybody we have eleanor russell back on the pod making her triumphant return yes yay (laughs) um we're gonna be talking about a movie that really is a great example of the saucer cinema ethos the whole thing about this podcast is movies about aliens ufos that have something interesting to say or portray the subject in a kind of interesting way i actually have a few points that i would like to hit if that's okay absolutely okay so first of all uh it's an important film in terms of chris Catan representation <laughs> also a movie about i would like to say is a movie about images and the peril of the image yes and in that sense i would say you know it has a, so much in common and in relationship to like horror and um and sci-fi and um you know it's like in terms of the history of cinema but it's also i think in a movie it's a movie about about that's anti-mimesis anti-image in the way that like some paul schrader's movies are like first reformed and um particularly the movie autofocus mm-hmm. it's a great movie about um starring greg kinnear as bob crane the guy from do you know that you know autofocus do you know that movie i actually haven't seen uh, that particular one but i know it yeah it's about bob yeah. crane and the murder and uh it's willem dafoe's in it yeah he's you know willem dafoe's bonkers in that movie too i mean it's a really messed up role but yeah it's about like what the dangers of like um the fetish of the image and i think that's where the sort of metaphor uh and literal aspect of filmmaking comes in as the t- as the content of nope um and also the third thing I wanted to mention is we talked last time I was on the podcast, we talked about venom and gooiness. Yes. There, is there gooiness in this? Uh, 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 I think there's a tiny, tiny bit of sort of gooiness. Um, there's a little bit of gore, which isn't really quite the same yeah. thing, but, the, but there's also like the inside. I mean, the inside, I guess is the, where the gooey, when they're in, when they're actually in the creature, I guess that's the really yeah. the only goo- alien gooiness there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, oh yeah, oh, oh, oh this is going to be a very obvious, obviously spoiler heavy. Oh yeah, <laughs> podcast uh, episode because uh, yeah, this is a movie that definitely has a huge twist to it. Are you saying? Are you counting the twist as the thing where you can't look at the monster? Is that the key? Or is that the twist? no? What no, the twist. The twist is that it is a monster versus a spaceship. Oh, that okay. I was like, which is the twist? I was like, there's like yeah. How do you define the twist is maybe probably an interesting. Yeah, no, that is the twist I, in the movie, in my opinion. See, I, mean, I always saw the twist was like, oh, you can't look at it. 
which I like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I mean, that is kind of a twist, but like, I mean, uh, I, I'd say more than anything, like, cause like you couldn't like the trailers for this movie were really great and really like really enigmatic. You could not really tell what is the movie's about or what's going on in it. Like yeah. it's the per- perfect, great, like generating your you know mystique uh, kind of, I was I, no you're right that is the twist the reason that the realization that you can't look at it is not the twist is because that's recognition and reversal right mm-hmm. that's when you have all the information that you need to have in order to, to see through the end of the film you know what i mean like all the information yes. is now available so you're right that's not the twist that's just that's just a plot point yeah okay Thank yeah you. <laughs> <laughs> no that's okay i mean i mean i mean uh i mean i'm not you're you you are a um a, a, a <laughs> a professor in theater uh i am a woman of letters <laughs> yes so i mean you you are indeed like somebody who really does drama i'm, not as, I'm actually not as good at plot, plot structure as i should be um especially for movies i like especially yeah i like get i don't know i it's like it's, it is a muscle i have to exercise so you know you're gonna be looking at it through that lens a lot um and that's great that's why i bring you on because i had a great time last time with venom yeah so mm. any other gooey, so gooeyness, so if we are to talk about the gooeyness, it's just the in, inside of the creature and then um, the gore, I guess. I guess there's, you know where the gooeyness really comes in is with gory. Yes, yes. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. The, uh, the chimpanzee, mm-hmm. um, uh, which is a whole other thread. And like, and I knew it's one of those threads that really threw a lot of people off. I knew, uh, judging yeah, by I other saw that the, It seemed, it made sense to me. It, like yeah it, oh yeah yeah thematically it makes perfectly se- perfect sense like if you're i mean but a lot of people yeah. are just like what's the deal with the monkey you know mm-hmm. um but you know it's their loss you know yeah. <laughs> what do you make of it what do you make oh of i mean it? for me it's pretty pretty clear i mean well also it's tied in for well you know there's the thematic tie-in with like exploitation show business mm-hmm. i mean animals mm-hmm. um you know like not think you know trying to control something that's not really meant to be controlled yeah. and not understand not understanding what you're dealing with um mm-hmm. and it's also tied into this character uh jute park who's like i really 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 this is actually one of my favorite things about the movie was this whole kind of character arc for this uh child actor mm-hmm. um you know yeah. it's such it's so tragic and at the same time, it's just kind of like really darkly funny. Yeah. But we should get to that a little bit later. I think we should probably establish the plot just to, mm-hmm. you know, bring people in here who haven't seen it. And also this, of course, this is Jordan Peele's Nope. Big summer release. Uh, his third film. First two being Get Out and Us. Uh, both very, uh, also very thematically dense uh, uh, genre. Uh, sort of, I mean, I, I don't know mashups i mean I, I i don't know what you would call them i mean they're all i mean yeah kinda kinda yeah, yeah. a little bit i mean they're they're they work as thrillers but they're also very you know um they're satire in the most elemental sense of the of the term in that they are revelatory of a contemporary social dynamic and mm-hmm. also critical of it Exactly. It's satire. When I say it, not just like satire. Oh, it's a laugh riot. I mean, like satire, like it is an exposure and a and a criticism. Yeah. So that 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 plays out via whatever aesthetic is necessary. Exactly. You know, with so with horror, with alien sci-fi gunk, with animals, with children, 
whatever yeah. tools at hand are available to Jordan Peele and the rest of the crew and everything. Um, it's although I don't know, I feel okay, I feel comfortable talking about this movie as an autorist movie. You know? Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah. Can we just agree? Yeah, Jordan Peele is 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 interested in using the techniques at his disposal that are from a variety of mash like mashupy um, influences and deploying them to toward whatever idea he is trying to explore. Like it's not yeah. he's not married to a, any one particular thing although except for the i guess horses is very consistent (laughs) yes yeah absolutely um this this is a movie about show business and it is set in the world of show but actually at the Mm -hmm. edges of show business which i think is actually more more key to what it's really about and so the principal characters we're going to be dealing with in this movie are the siblings uh emerald and oj uh oj oj played by uh daniel kalua from get out um and uh emerald played by kiki palmer um both really good performances do you you, you know when you see a movie you see a character that reminds you of somebody you mm-hmm. know sometimes gives you some kind of weird uh not just an investment in the movie but like this weird uncan- uncanny like resonance echo th- effect you know it's like this well because like okay so daniel kalua's character he's he's he reminds me so much of my brother oh really Yes, but his personality, his movements, his even just his general like build. I mean, he's obviously you know <laughs> African American man. I mean, obviously not literally yeah. my, just like my brother, but but personality wise, very similar to my brother. Just a very similar kind of like shy, um, but ultimately kind of like brave yeah. person, and and also and also it just reminds me so much of my brother. I can't even describe it. It, it that was. One factor about this movie that really uh, drew me in emotionally, I think. Um, I mean, and that's something that's obviously very specific to me and my and my brother. So it's like it's not something that other people could see, but I I really I really liked that. Um, and uh, so these characters are the uh, offspring of <laughs> the <laughs> offspring children of uh, their their dad is a horse wrangler for Hollywood. Um, we're introduced to OJ first. Uh, he is working with his dad and uh, his dad uh, in the, um, they're training horses in the back and this, they have a farm, this ranch out in like uh, Southern California and yeah, outside of LA. You're in the desert. Like that is the wild West. Like, it's the part of yeah. California where you're like, Oh wow, this is the West. <laughs> Western is a huge yeah. part of this, uh, the iconography of this movie. Absolutely. That's been, that's um, always true for sci-fi though. And Amer- American sci-fi is always already in relationship to the Western because it's about space, the final frontier, right? Or, uh, yeah, well, a lot of sci-fi is, I wouldn't say all sci-fi. A lot of American sci-fi and also just, just this idea of land you know, and space is something to be yes. territory and, and bodies themselves as kind of territory as we see, you know, the uh, monster try to glom up, glob up these bodies. Yeah. Yeah. So they are working with the horses out back in the, in the, in the ranch. And then uh, suddenly some stuff falls from the sky and uh, kills uh, his father, played by the great character actor, Keith David. Yes. I'm sure Jordan Peele is very conscious of casting him because of the thing and they live. Yeah. Also, he's amazing. It's Keith David. <laughs> yeah, it's Keith David. Exactly. He's one of the best voices, like, you know, ever. He's not in the movie very much, you know, but his death sets off the uh, story. I believe the first image we have is the Gordy attack. The very first thing is the Gordy thing. Yeah. An incident that happens during the taping of a sitcom where a uh, chimpanzee is running loose and uh, attacks a bunch of people. <laughs> 
you know what made me think of with the stuff with the kid actor being terrorized sort of by Mm -hmm. Gordy slash also the you know really ultimately the way that Gordy's been treated is is because of the people who are involved you know in in the show the the sitcom you know it's the it's the director it's the whoever's in charge of making you know it made me think about like how um former child actors you know like like uh brendan fraser and um elijah wood and um have have been like really vocal in the sort of the me too era being like hey actually people treat children like shit when they're kids when on set like people are shitty to to children in the cinema in the movie business like it's bad yeah (laughs) like it's really bad they're consistently and it, it that felt to me like the way that children and and animals are commodified felt very resonant to me in terms of that conversation. And that's why I think like with the, it's not just about seeing and eyes and images. It's about viewing and spectatorship itself. And that's what feeds the creature. And so that's what's so, I think there's that scene. I honestly, I could not fucking believe when this happened. Uh, When it's like literally rejecting audio, the creature, like the the EPs are plummeting to earth from its mouth. Yes. Like, (laughs) like it's like nope no audio will not do only image only image like, yes and i was just like wow like that to me i was like this is so like ob- like it's oh so i love it when something looks really obvious in its message but while still being really rich and there's more to talk about still you know yeah you yeah know? exactly it's so literal while also being so complicated and it's just like well that's comedy though comedy is really that's what satire is is comic satire is like really blatant literal commentary that also is really rich and exciting to talk about and experience it's like the best of its kind it's it's extraordinary achievement yeah yeah and like one theme leads to another like the other theme is like related but also kind of slightly its own thing is the whole thing with animal i mean animals exploitation but also understanding what you're dealing with is like such a big talk of the movie like yeah, awareness of the stakes and of the of the healthy respect. Like this is the thing it has. And so, I was just thinking about Jurassic Park the entire time. Like it's just yeah, you know, healthy respect. You you never had control. That's the illusion. And you know yeah, and control in this case is um, understanding of the optics of your of your situation, which he realizes. You know, and then he realizes, oh shit, <laughs> and that's yeah. I like I mentioned earlier, my my personal favorite thread in this movie is the whole child actor thing um because you know obviously like you said like child actors and exploitation are such a big part of that theme and then all and that ties into the animal theme that ties into that or other stuff and the image and everything else but like specifically it's like really embodied with this character um uh is it ray what's his name jupe andrew jupe parkers i forget what i forget what the actual all of, all of the characters names are so like like jupe is just it's so self-consciously like hollywoody like old hollywood like like vaudeville like oh yeah old jupe <laughs> you know yeah 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 well it's like well what's also like his story is is like you know he, he starts off as a kid who was in a kid's movie and then he got a sitcom after the kid's movie yeah and then the, the ape on the sitcom uh <laughs> went bananas uh to, <laughs> yeah. just, just to say that i'm uh, sorry i, I apologize <laughs> uh on set and uh literally uh i don't know if he i don't we're not i'm not they're not really clear if he killed anybody but he definitely deformed and disfigured at least one person and injured a bunch of people i mean i thought it was i think it seemed like he killed yeah i mean exactly i mean i don't know it it was was just but but either way like it was a very and uh this kid and this kid this um 
young uh, Korean American kid. Yeah. Uh, was uh, the the child star of the sitcom, and he witnessed this happen. And uh, the thing about this is that the thing I loved about this is that this guy has never escaped that moment in his life. Yeah. Like that is he never he didn't really survive it. No, he didn't. He, and also, I think it's worth noting that that moment of spectatorship of him watching Gordy wreak havoc and like carnage on the set is the only real like sympathetic depiction of spectatorship like yeah yeah pretty much from his vantage point we are like sutured into the kids you know watching what's happening and it's I actually really I don't know this is gonna sound so like sanctimonious but I promise I mean it like I really struggle I have a a five-year-old and I really struggle now I always have never been like great about it, but like really with watching kids in movies or on TV show, like experience, like emotional, like heart or like, like danger. I just, it like, it just really upsets me. And I like sometimes like yeah. handle it. It's like, and like watching that, I was just like, someone's got to hold that. Like someone's got to get take care of that little boy. Like I was just like, where, where are the grownups? Someone's got to take care of him. And it was just like, that, that really kind of fucked me up, honestly. Like, yeah. In comparison to like, the other Jordan Peele movies I think the scene like that scene with those both the beginning and then the when they go back to it later on in the film like fucked me up the most out of like every scene oh well maybe in get out towards the end when he's mm-hmm. like in the chair that also yeah but the yeah I just I think that really I really struggled with that stuff make that clear just so it's like yes this is a comedy in many ways and it's also like really hard (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. i mean it's 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 uh yeah it's definitely one of those um i don't know it's 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 you could call it a million different things that's what i love about i mean it's you can't really you can't really pin it down to one thing my favorite thing about that character is like i said like he's he's so tied to this moment that he has never escaped it and it like literally is what actually sets the events in motion by you know he's well, spoil again. Spoiler: He is feed. We learn that he's been feeding this creature, this this flying saucer creature, um, thinking it's a spaceship. Uh, seeing him take his horses, <laughs> and uh, and so like he's trying to develop a show at his theme park, and he has a western themed theme park. I don't know what it's called or anything, but um, uh, did you notice that the employees are all wearing like outfits that are very close in resemblance to what Gordy is wearing? I didn't notice that. That's fascinating. Uh, like I said, he has not escaped his childhood at all. It's so sad. And then he, he ends up getting his family killed, everybody, his employees killed, and it's just and who ended himself killed. Filed uh, a like a petition or something to the National Labor Relations Board. <laughs> it's like this is not a safe place to work. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm kidding, but yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. But I'm just saying it's interesting that he's been keeping this thing a secret. So he's been developing this show mm-hmm. with with this flying saucer because the sh- the flying saucer comes regularly to eat, mm-hmm. basically. And he and he and he of course is thinking he's communicating with this uh the these the these aliens in the spaceship. And it's actually a very obviously a parallel to when uh during the Gordy attack mm-hmm. scene where he finally he makes contact with Gordy there. Like he's like g- before Gordy is shot, he he, uh, he like does a little fist bump thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Oh, and then Gordy is like, uh, "No, you live. Like, <laughs> I'll spare you." Yeah, that's such a yeah, that's such a weird 
because they're both they're both in captivity you know i love that little moment though it is like kind of stop it that i did laugh like that's what you're saying really but like it's like it is really darkly comic i think it ties also into like he is still wanting to be famous he's still wanting Mm -hmm. he's still seeking fame he's warped beyond uh saving really yeah and that's yeah that's why i was saying it's so in relationship to i think you know conversations we're having about commodification of children i'm also just the humor of the whole the sitcom thing you can't really see it in the movie it's really just in the background but they made a fake opening to the tv show yes. it's pretty funny i liked the use of the word nope as like a sort of uh staccato uh motif you know <laughs> like like it's a sound more than a word it's like uh mm negation you know like just this is outside of my perception well nope you know i like like that there's like a punctum yeah well when they first announced the movie like a year or two ago and i was like this is the new jordan peele movie it's like nope and it shows like a cloud and i was like oh okay i kind of get that because it's like I mean, there is a kind. Of, well, there's also the element of race in the movie. I, I don't. I mean, I don't feel super qualified should, to talk we about. Talk to about like, it. It's it's important. Um, I think it's not Afrofuturist. It is Afro dystopian in the sense it's it's. I mean, it's in relationship to something that you know from like of the history of black critique in Hollywood since the Black Arts Movement. Like, I bet Amir Morocco would have loved this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I think. Uh, you know, because like Jordan Peele is often working in horror, the mm-hmm. horror thriller kind of like genre, and and this is of course mm-hmm. no exception. But um, uh, what it the thing is like Nope is like that's it's the kind of thing you would often see like a stock right. sassy it's a it's a, black character person saying sure. a movie. It's, that's definitely part of the yeah the blackness of the film for sure is that that use yeah. of um a word that's also a sound you know <laughs> nope yeah <laughs> Ex- exactly exactly yeah i mean it, it's like it's i mean exactly well you know you're, there's that, always that cliche about like how you know you like you know like this movie is obviously written by a white person because no black person would go yeah. there you know do something like that you know there's always that kind of like critique of a lot of horror movies with that use mm-hmm. african-american characters like that and um uh, I, I just, yeah, like you said, it just has, it's very much part of that conversation there. There's also just like the, the working with Stephen, with Stephen Ewan, I th- or is it Stephen Wen? How do you pronounce his last name? I'm an asshole. I honestly don't know. I mean, blackness and, and Asian-ness have a very complicated relationship to sci-fi and horror film and horror. It's like, you know, often like the history of, you know, uh, Asians in the history of cinema in the United States have often been depicted as aliens, as ze- is like a xenophobic right exactly um, so yeah. it's it's yeah. there's a recuperative aspect to this sort of casting choice you can see and also he's worked with him in the past he's also like i mean he's also excellent but it, i think that is part of it too um is this sort of like an understanding of commodification as necessarily racialized but racialized in different ways depending on whomst is being commodified and racialized right uh, i believe there are no i mean as far as like the main characters there's only one that's i guess caucasian uh what's his name uh michael wincott's character i laughed out loud when he's like in his office like all right kid i mean i would not consider this to be <sighs> you know i will say can we talk about um jordan peele's um twilight zone uh yeah sure i'll say i've only seen like one or two episodes um same i couldn't i feel i was so excited yeah 
It's like that thing that sounds great on paper kind of thing. I am such a Twilight Zone stan. Like, I love it. Um, and I just, I think it's just too long. It's like, I thought he would understand the assignment. But it's like, why is this? Sh- no, here, here, the beauty of the Twilight Zone is you go in. It's like 20 minutes of like Ray Bradbury-esque, you know, rot- with with like racial consciousness, yep. you know, which is Sterling's thing, yeah. you know? <laughs> and then, and it's amazing. And you get, occasionally you get a really good performance, often not, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> casting whoever. Um, and you're in and you're out. And it's the, it's how I enjoy, it's how I like to spend my 4th of July. They often have Twilight Zone marathons on July. And it's always my favorite thing. <laughs> um and it's like that in like um Ray Bradbury uh theater like that like I live for that and I was just like why are you no this is not an hour long thing Jordan Peele yeah what are you doing this is like to be fair there were there were hour long episodes of the Twilight Zone though I mean yes but they were like very like this is a special episode of the Twilight like it was like a specific right thing. right right I think they're lesser too. No, I do agree. Like the episode I saw was um, something starring Camille Nanjiani as like a bad comedian or something. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't very good. I, I'll forgive him. I mean, obviously I've forgiven him, but I was like, what? <laughs> it is. It's like literally, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm no, I hope I don't sound shallow by like focusing on like the length of it, but like, no, that is like the, that is what the, the Twilight Zone is at its best as like these really short little tiny worlds because if they get too mm-hmm. long if you get longer than that then you start asking questions like oh that doesn't yeah make yeah sense. and then you then you miss the yeah i mean that there's a snap right. there's a snappiness to it there's like it's there has to be a moral that you're getting to at the end they're like a little more yeah play, exactly you yeah. know and yeah anyway so i just need to get that on my system because i was just like yeah well i think i think the thing is it's like i think i think that the math that some that people are doing and maybe jordan peele was doing in his head was like well, you know, I, I, he deals with themes in his movies. Twilight Zone deals with themes. Oh, let's well, do that. But they're very different approaches. Like yeah. he's not he he's missing. The yeah, he's not yeah. he's not doing like these snappy. Oh, like oh, this is this is what this means. The moral. There's like no. I mean, there are themes and sometimes sort of morals in his movies, but they're not like they're not. It's not like Twilight Zone ish. I mean, it's not that kind of structure. No. It's not that kind of thing. It's it's like a much different kind of thing. Like there's more of a. It's more and of a. Maybe, and maybe there's. Yeah, there is. Yeah, it's so. more of a. I think. Well, I think it's like. Well, at the end of each Twilight Zone, I mean. Yeah, there's Rod. Rod Serling comes in and is like. Like that's my template sonic version of him talking. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it definitely is, and that was what that made the show work. It was, you know, and then, but like Jordan Peele's movies are a bit more like. I mean, I hate to say it's like it's kind of corny to say, but they're more like questions about things. No, he's a, he's a cinema artist, and maybe not a TV artist, and maybe not yeah. A- I mean, dis- despite him starting on TV, obviously, but <laughs> oh shit, sorry, I forgot about that. Obviously, Key and Peele, but Key and Peele was also yeah. So that was, but then that was another betrayal because I was like, well, he did it with Key and Peele. He's capable of sketch, yeah. But that's the thing about Twilight Zone is it's not sketch. No. It's, it's there, it is, it's similar in length, but it's a different, it's a totally different skill set. And I didn't realize that until I saw him do it. Yeah. And I was like, hmm, yeah, I do love, yeah. He actually, you know, I think he's my favorite Obama. Oh, really? Yeah, I think he is. I mean, he does I like that he doesn't, it's funny because he doesn't look anything like him. No. <laughs> like even a little bit at all. But I think he gets the, um, the, the dominant problem, we can get back to talking about, talking about the Oh, no, that's fine. No, that's great. The dominant problem with obama impressions is that they 
don't they think that the uh is a filler and not him thinking mm-hmm. so obama talks the way a lot of professors talk mm-hmm. where it's uh i'm having a plot and uh i'm thinking it through and i'm going to eventually reach the end of my idea but i haven't thought about how i'm going to do that ahead of time because i am very confident in my intellect that i will figure it out as i go right you know right. and that's how he talks and what i think what the mistake that a lot of performers make is they're like oh the uh is like an affectation oh yeah yeah just, yeah no it's not though no, he's saying, oh, because he's thinking about what he's saying. Right. And Jordan Peele understands this. Yeah. So he builds it in and it becomes part of the through line of the of the, of the the impression. Does that make sense? No, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So that's my, that's my take about him as Obama. Yeah, I think he's my favorite Obama. Yeah, I like his Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> it is so funny. Uh, oh my God. It is really good. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I, I do love Keanu Peele. It's pretty great. I think about it all the time. Yeah, well, I mean, there's so many classics. There's there's even there's several there's several sketches about aliens on there too. Um, I also have a disease now where every time I see the word Aaron, I'm like Aaron. Yes, yes. <laughs> like it's just I was like, well, I'll never see that name again. Yeah, like that's just how I understand that name now. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, there's also that there's also that sketch about uh, Gremlins too, uh, which is like uh it's about it's literally about the movie gremlins 2 but it's like about the meeting of how that movie was conceived or something it's 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 i don't remember this one look look it up uh key and peel gremlins 2 it's freaking hysterical even though gremlins 2 is in my opinion a masterpiece itself but this movie but it's it is a it is a kind of very odd product of hollywood and uh and like that that sketch is really kind of about that in a lot of ways it's really funny um hey can we go back and uh get rid of the thing where i said uh he's not a t- he's not a tv artist because clearly i'm an idiot yeah but i mean but i i, I get i get what you're saying though i mean like like the twilight zone is a very specific kind of thing and that's not really what, what he's doing with his it's stuff. okay like it's not you know it's i mean it's a, it's it's just a thing yeah. he tried that didn't work entirely work out and that's fine yeah, I mean, I <laughs> yeah. mean, he's got. I mean, and but nope, and the, his other movie, his movies, like I mean, he like right out of the gate, like Get Out was pretty much recognized, instant classic. I mean, it was just like such yeah. a singular. Yeah, he's such a singular voice, and the thing that I loved about, I really liked Us. Oh yeah, I loved um, Us too. I mean, uh, the thing that I was interesting about it though was everyone was like, "Oh, it's just another race movie by Jordan Peele," and I'm like, "It is like that is like a Lovecraftian like chthonic." Like that is like prim- that is a primordial story. Yeah, it's about like this. Yeah, it's like it's all about not... Return of the Repressed about all these different things. It's so yeah, that's like a Freudian. It's like a Freudian. Movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, like it's, yeah. yeah, it's it's it's, it's a it's it's yeah. Again, another movie that was like because it wasn't quite as a cr- much of a crowd pleaser as Get Out. It was like a li- I mean, it was very successful as was this, yeah. but. It was people just really wanted that, like, I mean, they wanted the, like, they wanted another race movie from Jordan Peele. They, yeah, know? I think also just the novelty and surprise of Get Out was so fresh when it came out. Like, yeah, I mean, I really liked us, though. I thought also another thing about, like, voice, like Lupita, like Lupita Nyong'o's voice and that, the way they love it. Yeah, it's, it's so like, creepy. And, like, uh, the, uh, all the stuff about, like, the rabbits and the, and, like, the, like, the, the subterranean yeah the sound and like what's below the ground is what's real yes everything else is just images exactly and exactly like, I mean, what kind of filmmaker makes a movie that's like anti-images it's like him and paul schrader like yep. <laughs> yeah well at the same time though i wouldn't call this an anti i mean it, i mean it might be anti-image thematically but not like in practice because like it has lots of indelible amazing images no no, no, no obviously no, i don't mean it like that i just mean it 
ideologically speaking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, I think more more than more than more than the image. It's like the, which the, the word they keep repeating in the film, spectacle. You know, spectacle. Yes, it's anti. Yes, anti spectacle. It's which is wild. That's so French in the nineteen sixties. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you know. Yes. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And mm-hmm. um, uh, and like, you know, we have like like it's. I mean, obviously, set in the film business and. And well, I mean, also one of the first images we have in the movie after the Gordy thing is we are looking through this weird structure, which we later realize is the inside of this creature. But uh, yes, but we see this. It's framing this uh, the image, the classic, famous, well, uh, Mybridge, my, my Mybridge. I don't know how you say his name. The the classic horse foot, one of the f- the first motion picture, really. Yeah, the original, yeah. you know, which is just of a jockey, an anonymous jockey who lost a history. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that, you know, and then like in the movie, of course, they are uh, both of the uh, central characters are um, said to be descendants of this, of that jockey. I mean, mm-hmm. whether that's literal or true yeah. or not, who knows, but. Um, no, but I mean, also just like as a, like, as a person who studies history, like, I love this movie as a answer to a historical problem, which is an archival problem which is who is this guy yeah yeah (laughs) well we don't know but here is this whole thing that we can imagine and how like this sort of gaps in the archive can be really like creative opportunities yes and i I love that yeah yeah exactly it's like that this interesting alternate secret history of things yes yeah which is always fun um we also have like this this stuff with the, the commercial at the beginning of the movie um that he's like He's trying to get his uh, horse. He's taking, you know, he's trying to take over for his his dad now that his dad's gone. Um, I mean, and also like the the way the dad's death is just explained is like, oh, I guess a plane fell, some debris from a plane fell on him or something. <laughs> 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 like, what else are you gonna say? You know, I guess I guess that yeah. makes sense though. I mean, like, what else are you going to say? For, how do you else are you going to explain that? Well, that also was very funny to me though, actually, because because yes, I find myself like. I was talking earlier about how I, I am just like, I, I think I can never be surprised. And then I get surprised. And like, I'm just like, you know what? Honestly, sure. Maybe it was plain debris. I don't fucking know. Donald Trump was elected president. Yeah. <laughs> COVID-19 has, is, is like a dominating structural force for our lived lives. Every, like, it's just, I don't know. Like nothing really. I'm just like, sure. Yeah. Fine. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know? often I think like people like when they talk about, quote unquote unexplained phenomenon i mean they're treating it as like a like a hypothetical thing but people who've allegedly had these kinds of things happen to them or or any kind of crazy inexplicable event that just doesn't have an explanation people try and fit it into some kind of thing and just brush it aside you know i mean that's another aspect of it i mean yeah i was thinking about this i was thinking about this too because like do you remember a few years ago it's like maybe five years ago Mm -hmm there were these two teenage girls who killed another girl in Wisconsin. Oh yeah. The Slender Man murder thing. Did we talk about this? I don't believe so, but uh, go ahead. I mean, so a friend of mine from, from elementary, from like my child, I think I, we met, I think I met him when I was like, yeah, this is in the Milwaukee area, Um, right? Yeah. It was in the Milwaukee area, uh, Milwaukee suburbs. Yeah. Uh, um, And his boyfriend, Mm -hmm. Uh, his boyfriend's sister mm-hmm. is one of the girls. Oh my god! 
uh, killed. <laughs> it was involved. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think and, actually anybody actually died, but it was like they... The, no, she, yeah, but like was involved in this thing. And it's like, it was, I mean, it was dominating the media for what, and it was like, why did she do it? And it's like, she just, she and he, and like his, the boyfriend's like, she was always into like dark stuff. I think she's just like really impressionable. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I remember thinking, I was like, that makes sense. Like, <laughs> 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 like I remember learning about this like like last year and I was like oh like beforehand I would like in a world before you know uh Trump and COVID and everything I probably would have been like that would have been like a major formative thing where I was like oh my god I can't believe that happened like this person that I'm friends with and like I'm friends with their boyfriend like, oh, I can't believe I know that. and it's like now I'm just like yeah no I I bet yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, do you know what i mean like i'm sorry if that sounds insane but like that is <laughs> there's something about like how there's something integral i think to peel's movies where they are about yeah this insane thing happened being black in america yeah yep nope yep yeah and the rest of us are like you know uh you know like as, as a message to like sort of white liberalism it's like yeah insane shit's happening all this fucking time exactly you know exactly <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> the, the way the movie uses alien lore you know ufo mythology and stuff is kind of interesting and ufos you know ever since the 40s when they became a, a thing a cultural thing uh mm. the um there are there are always like different kinds of explanations for what they could be uh the, obviously the most popular one that really resonated with the public and public imagination was their aliens from outer space right but there's all there's also there was also a lot of other kind of like theories that never really caught on, you know. Right, like like also like isn't some of it like um Soviet like spy? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, the, I, there's all kinds. It's of... like okay, there's still aliens. They're just aliens from our world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, it, it ties into a lot of sci-fi mythology and like stuff because you know at the at the time flying saucers have started appearing. The first sighting was in 1947. I mean, well, not true, not true at all, actually. But the first okay. UFOs, the weird things seen in the sky have been seen forever, obviously. But like, yes. and during World War II, there were these things called Foo Fighters. Yes, that's where the band got its name from. Yes, no, I'm, I actually am a little bit familiar with those. Yeah, so. these little weird, strange orbs of light that would follow planes. Uh, and they, they were like seen by all the different sides of the war. People thought, oh, they must be the, the other side doing a secret project and it, nobody ever figured out what it was. It was just, there was even an investigation by the government commissioned by the government to do it. And they just like, okay, I don't know. And then after that, there was a wave of what they call ghost rocket sightings. And, um, and then uh, the actual f flying saucer wave kicked off in 1947 when a pilot named Kenneth Arnold was flying in the Cascade mountains. Uh, and he was like searching for a downed plane. Uh, and then he saw these nine silvery um, flat. Nine of them? Yes. Nine of them. They were flying in formation, and it was like a they were crescent shaped, uh, except for the one, the lead one, which was like a bit more flat and heel shaped, like the a lot like the creature in this movie, um, mm -hmm. and and he they were moving extremely fast, and he had, I mean he had no idea what the hell they were, and he just when he landed he said yeah I saw these things, and of course it just took off. It was like whoa, what are, you know it's like it just became a media mm -hmm. sensation. And it just took the. A white guy said he saw something. I bet he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. I mean, I, I absolutely believe he saw something. I mean, a lot of other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, like, sp speaking of that, like, there's also this larger, longer tradition of like, you know, people cataloging strange events, like the writer Charles Fort, you know, 
he would like mm-hmm. catalog like strange things falling from the sky which this movie does its own version of i don't know how much of a like saucer head jordan peele is or whatever but like he's definitely like looked at the little bit of literature i was reviewing the wikipedia page for this film prior to our recording and he worked with a guy at caltech yeah to develop the backstory of the creature how is that like arrival too because arrival seemed like also very informed by like what we may understand like you know well there's the more like scientific under like theories about well this is what alien life might be like versus the mm-hmm. myth- you know the ufos saucer mythos right, right, right. yeah and so this movie is kind of a fusion of both of those things which is really cool mm-hmm. and um but like there's this long tradition of strange things from the sky including things like meat and uh flesh and, and yeah, yeah. yeah and like objects and things and this movie like uses that mythology in a kind of interesting way uh and uh there's also also the idea of flying saucers as living creatures is one of those many kind of like alternate theories that never really caught on as far as like popularity but it was always like kind of there like um as kind of like a one of many many explanations like even in the movie the character angel the uh, electronics guy is like he's talking about well, yes Oh my god, we how have we not talked about Angel yet? Oh yeah, I, I, we're gonna get. I was like, I was gonna get to him. Uh, yes. Yeah, he he is uh, such an important character in this movie. Um, he's kind of like Hooper and Jaws. He's Dreyfus. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the kind of manic, wisecracking guy. Especially in the second half of the movie, the the Jaws parallels start really coming up. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the cinematographer is pure Quint from Jaws too. I mean, come on. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, that's amazing. That's so cool. Also, this movie is very pretty. And like, I was talking to my husband recently uh, about like how movies look like shit. I was making a joke on the internet the other day and I watched a clip. So I I was, oh, it was like, I was doing a bark twice if you're in Milwaukee thing to my friend Tim. (laughs) And so I got Anchorman. So I was like, I'm going to get that clip. And I was watching that movie. I watched the clip from that movie. I was like, Anchorman looks gorgeous. Like the interior of his home yeah. is like so dynamically lit. It's like rich in texture. And I'm like, this is a stupid fucking movie from like 2003. Yeah. Like, and yet I'm like, how is this movie so much prettier than like oh, fucking anything else that I see? I don't yeah. And like one thing I fucking love this movie for the movie really does a great job of spatially orienting the viewer in the in the setting yes which for a dummy like me who's bad at spatial processing i'm like thank you yeah 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 i mean that's that's i mean oh god like i mean the trend of like the chaotic thing uh cinema thing has kind of died down a little bit but there's still a lot of really shitty uh editing and action blocking in movies these days and like that this this movie just is so thoughtful about how it is doing what it's doing and like placing the camera and like because I, I see i saw the movie in like i literally i saw it five times but i made sure to see it in five different theaters i was gonna ask i was like so did you watch all of it in theaters or did you watch it on the internet no i watched it all in theaters i mean um so yeah cool. i mean i'm i'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a single i'm a single lady a single lady now in her 40s so like uh, i've got <laughs> and i've got plenty of free time i don't give a shit i'll go see i'll go see whatever um oh, yeah i'm jealous yeah i know i know i know um but like i so i saw um so I saw it like, you know, um, five times, but each I made, I always like to see movies in different theaters to see how they play differently on different screens. Yeah. Like, where, can, can you name every theater you saw it in? Yeah. God, the last, the last time I saw a movie more than once in theaters was I saw, um, the dark Knight four times. 
Oh wow, that's that's a long lot of time ago. Uh, twice was with my dad. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I saw I saw that four times. Oh, but then the only the movie I've seen the most times is I think I saw the second was it the first or second Spider Man movie that I saw seven times. Oh wow, in theaters. Yeah, I, my friend Emily was like obsessed with Tobey Maguire. Gotcha. That was part of it. Yeah, I think she saw it like fourteen or fifteen. <laughs> but I saw it. When I tapped out at seven, I was like, well, because, you know, when you're in high school or like or in like um, junior high and high school, you just see, you know, growing up in the 90s and early 2000s, like you just see everything in theater. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, exactly. I, I, well, I used to do that because I used to work at the movie theater, so I used to see everything. Yeah, I saw Shrek the third. I, I, don't, <laughs> like I did because it was like, I don't know, it's there. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I still kind of do see movies like that because like, you know, I'm. Again, like I'm single, I don't often have any. I love that. No, that's awesome. A, I think that's so cool. Yeah, well, I like to get out of the. I like to, it's a way to get out of the house and and be around people without you know having having because yeah. you know I don't drink a lot. I don't like going to a bar necessarily, or at least not alone. And yeah, and I don't like yeah. you know I don't I don't like going. I love going. Shopping. Well, I love I li- I like <laughs> I do like it when I have something to shop for or like I, or like I have yeah. a thing that I like to. Oh, but like I'm just so broke all the time. I just get mad. So yeah, I know what you, mean. you know all that. So Andre's keep, Andre keeps my husband keeps telling me like, uh, stop throwing all your money away at Old Navy. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's what I throw a lot of my money at too. I mean, it's it's what you read. Yeah, <laughs> like, I totally I totally get it. No, I totally get. It. I spend a lot of money there too. Um, <laughs> I mean, um, you know, and uh, I can never have enough jeans. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, and uh, I usually don't see movies more than once, but. Sometimes I will. I used to really love going to see the dumbest horror movie imaginable. And I packed Friday night. Like, honestly, one of the most fun times I ever had seeing a movie um, was the movie Deep Blue Sea. Oh, my God. That movie sucks. It's so stupid. <laughs> it is this, one of the stupidest movies ever conceived. So but I kind of love it because it's just like, it is so dumb. And it's, it, but it's like, it was one of the best theatrical experiences I've ever had. No joke. It was. I, I had an experience with that once where I, I went to go see that movie. This is also again incredibly long time ago. Yeah, this is two thousand eight. I went to go see the movie The Strangers. Oh, which I never saw, um, but I remember that movie coming. Oh out. my god, it is so bad. Yeah, and I went with my friend Rebecca, and it was great because it was like me and her, and like maybe a smattering of people. And then there are these two um, dudes in like the third row. For some reason, it's like they could have said, I don't know, whatever, I guess we're in the third Who were just, and like, there was like a, it's, it felt like a click. Like there was an agreement about 10, 15, 20 minutes, about 20 minutes in the film where everyone in the in the audience agreed that this movie was bad. Yeah. Like we all, were like, and so they started just like talking about it. Yeah. And like talking, and like, and it was like, and like yelling stuff at the, and like it was so funny and so amazing and perfect because everyone was just like, yeah, this, it was like Bergman. It was like it was like an Ingrid Bergman movie where but like with Scott Speedman. Like it's just like it was like they clearly were trying to do like we're meditative and slow, but they were so like didn't have the intellect or like Yeah, 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 yeah. It was just it was I, I kept I, at one point I think I chimed I, at one point I chimed in and said something and was like where's the slime like 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 Nickelodeon like I have to expect someone to have to get slime dunked on them like a Nickelodeon yes. like I don't know oh my god yeah oh yeah well, remember um uh, yeah I, I, and yeah, I, it's one of the best experiences and to that sense and in that sense is like is that movie even really bad 
Because it brought us together. Yeah, well, well exactly. Like, Deep Blue Sea, like, the screen we saw. You see, the thing is, I was going with my friend Sean, who's recently deceased. R.I.P. Um, R.I.P.? Yep. Um, R.I.P. Yeah, it sucks, but... Uh, but, uh, you know, we saw... Uh, but we were going to see... We wanted to go see the Blair Witch Project, but it was completely sold out. So, mm-hmm. um... That, yeah, it was 1999. It was like... So the rest of my family was going to see Deep Blue Sea. So we just said, okay, we'll go see Blue, Deep Blue Sea. But the thing is, it was mm-hmm. packed theater, and the movie was stupid as hell, but, like, somebody... And this is, is... I would usually find this extremely annoying, but in the this movie, it was perfect. Um, the... Uh, Somebody had like a laser pointer, but <laughs> and, 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 and like they had a uh, uh, one like a thing that I guess attached to it to make shapes, and uh, so like they would just like be doing these various shapes, commenting on the action. It was that is so funny, it was fucking amazing. And and like there's that one moment in that movie, like ha- like about a you know halfway in the movie where Samuel L. Jackson is about to give this rousing speech or anything, and then he gets eaten by a shark, you know. And it's like yeah. and the audience was just dying. I mean, that is that is the one mo- the movie the movie's one actual moment of genius is that movie is that. But like, yeah. Uh, but yeah, abs- absolutely, it was one of the best experiences I've ever seen in a movie. And it's like it was the dumbest thing. <laughs> it is like the dumbest yeah. movie. It is literally like yeah. like a dog brain movie. It is, but it's so funny. Um, <laughs> and. and but I mean, I guess it would tie. I guess we could tie this back to Nope. You know, it's like like Jordan Peele's. Pro, you know, I would say as somebody who's obviously seen a ton of movies, loves movies, and he, ha- I mean, has the mentality of somebody who wants to comment on the dumb things he's seeing, and he wants to make a. Uh, yeah, see that? See there? I tied it back in. <laughs> no, he no, he sees it as an experience. Like a movie is sort of like a contract you enter into, like as a re- as a receiver, as a spectator. You come in to the film and you are in a dynamic, you know, intersubjective relationship with this film as you watch it. And I think he's very aware of of that mode of perception, which is why I always keep coming back to like the sort of temporality, the like punctuative aspect of his movies, and particularly of Nope, with like the sound design and with just like how, you know, a very tightly um prescripted you know plot and it's it's tight it's a he's he's good he's good at this yeah you know? yeah exactly and and like i you know I, I i've had a lot of people complain like i've heard a lot of people complain about it being a little slow or shaggy and i'm like i wouldn't know i think it was actually very very t- yeah. i think i think no it's very well structured i think it's just i don't know i Again, I think people really just want get out again. It's like he's gonna get out again, and he's not going to do that. Yeah. And I think, I mean, the only thing for me is when I was watching it. So my internet, I live in Carbondale, Illinois, and yeah, my internet is Mediacom, uh, and my internet kept it sucks. It sucks. Aww. I'm actually kind of miraculous that we're doing this. And so whatever for some reason, when I was watching it at home. I would like watch for like five, six, seven minutes. And then there was something you'd be like, nope, it's buffering. <laughs> so I watched this very strange punctuated by buffering version of this movie where I was just like, I just want to know what's going to happen with the Gordy. Like it was just like, that's oh, man. You know? so at the same time though, it would actually was kind of illuminating because I was like, when you have those kind of technological issues, it, really showcases just how tightly organized and constricted the whole thing is in the first place. Yeah. Because <clears throat> I'm supposed to be like, 
I'm forced to reckon I'm forced to recognize like, oh, this is the recognition and reversal and <coughs> I'm so sorry. No problem. <coughs> I'm sorry. Oh, this is recognition and reversal. And I'm like forced to like stare at the whites of Daniel Kaluuya's eyes for longer than I should have. Yeah, know? no, but yeah, exactly. I mean, that is great. Like that, that definitely give, it gives you, it gives you like a slight bit of time to reflect it and actually take it in and then yeah. think about it. And like, that's how, I, that's how I always like think about it. Like as a theorist of reception and yeah, and, yeah like that's something I think about. Like the movie, the movie is not intended to be viewed that way. No. But it is. So what happens? Yeah. You know? Exactly. I mean, there's always a, the, like, things like that, unexpected. Uh, I mean, the, the, the filmmaker can't control how the viewer's going to take it. And there's only so much they can do to dictate what you're going to feel or think yeah. about it. And that's great. Exactly. That's, yeah, you know? I like that. But yeah, the movie, I mean, the movie does take its time, I guess, but I've really come to appreciate family dynamics in movies lived i like when they're like really lived in and like you kind of just understand this dynamic between siblings and stuff like that because it it, it is a sibling movie you know it's like these these two main characters are siblings and and you know i'm very tight with my i mean again this is a personal connection i have that that resonates with me in the movie but like i just saw the movie the fablemans i loved it i mean uh you know it's it's a it's i mean if you're if you if you do like Spielberg and I mean, you don't have to like Spielberg to like it. I don't think, but like, it is one of those things that like, Oh, okay. That's why, that's why 1941 is like that. Okay. <laughs> I think the first 20 minutes of that movie, the, the first 20 minutes of the movie, you get, Oh, I'm, I'm not going to spoil it. I mean, it's not yeah. really a spoiler movie, but yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, I really, I really, really it's liked okay, it. I mean, it resonated yeah. with me a lot because of like stuff from childhood, you know, cause I was, you know, like, you know, like I met your husband and Andre in, uh, film class and i was like the type of kid who made movies at home and stuff like that mm-hmm. so of course it resonated with me on that level but you know a lot of, a lot of other things little little mm-hmm. things here and there and um and also just you know it's, it's just it's mm-hmm. just it's a well-made movie it's it's funny it's uh it's uh i don't know i just really 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 dug it you know i like i i used to really not like stories about family maybe because i was really just having my own issues with family and, and stuff, but I've really come to appreciate mm-hmm. stuff like that uh, in movies when they're well done. And I just really like that in this movie, this whole mm-hmm. thing with the, you know, which I, I, which I know like well, all movies are, I mean, have family stuff in them, but like, I like the movie. Yeah. Well, they're like really kind of specific, no, I very specific yeah. and well rendered. I like, and well acted. I, I really appreciate that. And I really like that in this. And um, I liked it. And, and I just liked and of course, you got really two great actors, you know, doing doing these roles, and they're really having fun with it. Like Kiki Palmer is really having a blast with that character. And uh, um, yeah, no, actually, what I wanted to ask, like, how the movie that I see this movie in relationship to most is actually not another Jordan Peele movie, but is Sorry to Bother You. When that twist happened. I, I was living in Chicago on the third floor in an apartment building at the time. And I was just like, I was like, what the fuck? Like really loud, really loud. Like, yeah. And um, I mean, that is also a sort of Afro dystopian. It's, it's more of a pot logic movie in a way, like the, the vibe of it. It's just very trippy and it, which is great. I, I liked it a lot. I love that movie, but yeah, like, sure. uh, but, but so like, well, cause Jordan Peele's just so considered about what he does. He know he's, you know, he's, he is a, very he he's very in a in some ways old fashioned in a way yeah no i actually would say that jordan peele is in more of a relationship to hollywood yeah 
systemically, whereas Boots Riley is more interested in, like I would say is more adjacent to the Black Arts movement, thinking about audio and sound. Like, yeah. Like the white voice. <laughs> You're right. It's such a weird, like sor- a sourceless voice is really important. Yeah, the sound the sound of this movie is great. Like one of the best scenes in the movie, one of my favorite scenes is like when they're fairly early in the movie. I think one of the first times we see the saucer thing. Um, yes, is you know he's it's at night and it, and and believe it or not, those scenes were all shot day for night. Uh, I actually think I did that. That makes sense. Actually, yeah, it's very good. There's a little bit of get, there's a bit of giveaway giveaway lighting on his face and stuff, yeah. but like it looks it does look great though. It looks it looks how actually night looks in a way yes that's what i really liked about it like you really see the, the relationship between okay the the jupe's theme park is like they're yeah. over there and then like what really came across in second viewings is oh okay that's he's doing the feeding he's doing the thing he's doing later in the movie he's rehearsing it like yeah and so like i didn't realize that when i first saw it like there's a there's a lot that actually like i think makes really makes more sense the second time you see it yeah um you know, and um, but like the this, the way you see the relationship between where it is, like I said, the spatial thing is just it's so good with that. Like you, yeah. you have a a sense of place in a movie. Oh, is, sense of place, it's just it's yeah. He's so forgiving. Yeah, I love it. Can you talk more about pot logic? Oh, you mean when I was talking about um? Sorry to bother you. And- oh yeah, sorry to bother you. Well, you know, because it's like I mean, like the plot it has. I mean, obviously, it does have a structure an overall structure and an arc in that movie and everything. But it's, it's not like tightly it's, it's, there's a lot of like, you know, tangents here and there. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. It's a lot of flitting around and it's, it's sometimes hazy details. I mean, it's just the general vibe, you know? You know, I wonder if people thought that, um, uh, Nope had pot logic because, you know, there's like a stoner humor comic element to, you know, um, Keanu or like, you know, all this, you know, other stuff. Yeah. And, it made me wonder, like, and if they saw, oh, the, like, Gordy stuff is just a sort, sort of associative. It's not actually thematically relevant. Most people probably, I, I don't know. I don't think. Probably not so. I, I'm probably giving them more credit. Than... <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, exactly. Like, no, I, I think, I think Nope is, like, he's just tighter, I guess, I guess. But also, yeah. Sorry to Bother You was um, a lot more loose and everything. I mean, that's all I meant by pot logic. Yeah, okay, no, I was just scared. I was just like that. I've never heard that phrase before, and I like that. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's just, I'm just trying to describe a vibe, you know. Got it, yeah. It's not a knockabout that gets that movie. It's an essential part of what that movie is. It's just like, yeah, yeah but, uh, you know, uh, but it's just a different, totally different kind of thing than this. But, I mean, obviously rooted in some, some you know, commentary about stuff. But, yeah, uh, where were we? I'm <laughs> speaking of pot logic. <laughs> We hit all my things. We got Chris Kattan. We got gooiness. Oh yeah, then- for the Chris Kattan thing, we didn't really make a. We didn't like explain the context of that. It was, it was just. I was just like, oh, I feel seen. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the best part about that. Best part about that though is like I. What he like he's okay. So Jupe Park. He's describing the incident being parodied on Saturday Night Live in, in a in this yeah. the world of this movie and. Of course, like he's described, yeah, uh, you know, Anna Gastire plays this character, or um, who who was the other person play? Was it? I can't remember. Yeah, you know, Sherry O'Terry or whoever from that era, you know, was playing this character, and then of course, and you're thinking, oh yeah, of course, Chris Kattan would have played the monkey. Of course he would have. I mean, yeah. fucking, <laughs> of course he would have. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, that was like a really funny. That was a funny bit. Um, 
It was very funny. And I like how early it is in the film, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and also his, like, he's got this wife. I mean, it, she's not really a major character, but she's in there. Um, she's played by Ren Schmidt. I, I know her mostly from uh, that show on Apple TV, For All Mankind. Um, oh, Andre watches. Andre watches that show and cries. Just like a sucker for anything about like men, like men going to space is just like. Well, that's, that's, yeah, there is something about it. I mean, there's some. There's a. There's a. There is actually a very moving scene at the end of season two that had me crying. But like, yeah, it, it, there's also some really hilarious kind of ideologically suspect funny things in there because it's like it's very boomer lib kind of like mentality yeah you know my favorite apple tv show is bad moms but or bad sisters i mean sorry go on no, oh i haven't seen that one yet no. okay, watch it. it's great. yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but for all kind is, is really compelling though it's really really entertaining it's, it's got some really funny stuff like there's a president who comes out as a lesbian in the fictional 90s of this show yeah and she's a former astronaut and she kind of independently comes up with her own version of don't ask don't tell Okay, so when I was in high school, we had this thing called Lanyette Potpourri, which was this, like, student-written, student-performed, student-directed, student-everything musical uh-huh. that we wrote. Yeah. And I was the head writer, and I wrote um, this song <laughs> that got cut, and I was devastated, called Keeping It Real Like a Navy Seal. And it was, <laughs> Keeping it real like a Navy Seal. Don't ask, don't tell, don't don't tell. <laughs> and it was, like, a boy band number, and mm-hmm. I can't I'm still upset. It got, it got. Hey. Anyone brings up, uh, don't ask, don't tell. I'm like, don't ask. Yeah. Do you have any? Do you have any recordings of that? I'd love to hear that. No, oh. I don't. But it kills me. It was like the best thing I've ever done with my life. Oh my and god. I was 17. Oh man, yeah, all <laughs> so downhill from there, huh? <laughs> I'm reading a stupid book, and I'm just like, I'll never do keeping it real like a Navy SEAL again. Like. <laughs> That that rules. I I wish I could hear that. Oh my god, it's really good. <laughs> Talk about things you wish you still had that were lost to history. Yeah, my sister when she was in college, I think it was the first semester, uh, she befriended this guy who had a crush on her, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it and and like when it didn't turn out to be, he was like very bitter, very incelly about it, and like he wrote. Yeah. But the thing is, he wrote a rap song about her. <gasps> Oh no! It was like, <laughs> oh my god! It's one of the funniest fucking things I've ever heard. Like, like he's talking about like how pissed off he is, and he goes, "I'm gonna need a janitor to clean up all the blood that I spill." And like, oh my, <laughs> oh my fucking god! I wish I still had it. It's I, I lost I lost so the file. Funny. Oh, that's humiliating. Yeah, Angel. We really haven't gotten him as a character. Yeah. Angel is cute too. So I yeah, he's adorable. <laughs> that actor, yeah, also had some really cool band T-shirts and stuff. You yes, know, I, got, I can respect that. Wipers. I think he had Earth and yeah. some cool, some cool he's like alti band stuff. And yeah. uh, you know, I, I really, uh, you know, I, I, he's the type of character I would have instantly caught to as a teenager. Yeah. You know, like I did with the Jamie Kennedy character in Scream. You know, that type of character. Oh my yeah. god, yes. Is that he's that type of guy? Like he's kind of an audience surrogate. And he has like these sort of this special. Sp- point of insight for the narrative in his expertise on on uh surveillance and the concept of just watching whereas you know the, our heroes are artists right or people who work in the arts industry so there's like this interesting little like interdisciplinary like teamwork aspect where it's like we got our right we got our our it surveillance guy we got our horse trainer we got our creative visionary which is you know geeky bomber's role um and then we have the cinematographer so there are all these like different approaches to the visual that are like assembled as part of this team that are that you know are in charge of this narrative. 
yeah that's that's actually very true um also like the way he kind of falls in with it was kind of funny he just kind of like he's just kind of lonely so he just sort of like latches himself on angel yeah Um, angel also just like in terms of his how he felt about how dumb everyone was like he was just sort of like like kind of kind of as an affect like kind of always over it like if you know some people like their just general demeanor and affect is just over it like yeah like angel is like that and for that since he kind of reminded me of my advisor <laughs> he was, like, like a little bit exasperated but always in like a downward like motion like like low energy you know yeah it only yeah. becomes high energy when he gets like kind of pissed but it's still always this very gen x-y kind of like over it <laughs> and yeah. angel has that yeah it just made me think about him <laughs> yeah yeah, well, I, I think it's a very specific kind of, like, nerdy thing where, like, you are frustrated because you know the thing that you, about this stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you have your, you have some kind of preconceived idea of what it's all this stuff is. a geek thing, actually, I would say. Yes, it's very much think, a geek thing. I think, a, okay, so this is also maybe geeky slash nerdy. We'll decide later. But um, I think that Angel is a geek and that um, Jupe and, um, uh, oh, what's her, Kiki Palmer's character's name. What is her name? Uh, Emerald. Emerald are um, uh, nerds. <laughs> That's my hot take. <laughs> okay, I guess I can see what you're Angel saying. Angel is a, a geek yeah. in the sense that he understands this technology and surveillance, like an implementation. He's like a technical director, and uh, like uh, Emerald and Jupe are like um, sonographers, or like on the on the more on like the the uh, production side, right? Right, that's right, my, right. and then Michael Winnicott is like the artiste, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, Jupe Jupe is the is the uh, kid, child actor guy. You mean OJ or? You I'm mean, sorry, you not Jupe. Jupe. I'm sorry. Every time, okay. Let, let me start over. Let me rephrase this. <sighs> Shut up, Emerald. <laughs> Emerald and OJ are like the director, assistant director. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, Jupe is the actor. Um, right. Angel is like technical direct, like uh, in, uh, I'm moving between theater and movie terminology. Uh, he's like the, um, uh, I don't know, like grip, the grip, the best boy, the, the guy, yeah. you know, the guy yeah. who just like sort of makes everything happen, techno- like, you know, um, production wise and technologically and everything. And then yeah. uh, Mike Winnicott, is Michael Winnicott is um is the cinematographer? <laughs> he's the, he's the artist. He's the guy who has who's the artist, the er artist vision, sort of that like is right that um they're using his aesthetic in order to get the thing done. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. 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 That, no, that makes perfect sense. I was just wasn't sure if you were to, like the the Jupe. No, because like, I'm just an idiot, and I'm like, no, I'm like I'm turning no. into my grand. My grandmother and my mom are like this. They just like you never remember anybody's name. And then, yeah. or they'll get like really, but then they will remember someone's name, but they'll mix it up with somebody else and then be really indignant that they're right and then realize that they're wrong and it's hilarious. Like, that's me. The older <laughs> I get, I'm turning into that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I get it totally. Cause, like, well, I mean, it's like when you have so much information in your brain, only so much is going to stick <laughs> in there. Like, something's going to be knocked also, out. I'm sorry, like these I'm... names are are arbitrary. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty goofy. Okay. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So... This. It is funny that they named him OJ too. I mean, just well, just, yeah, that's such a cute, like, hacky joke too. Kind of at the top, which I love. Like, that's such a Jordan Peele little, you know. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Well, like in the scene, we're kind of like introducing him. Uh, well, not it's like he's he's like taking this horse yeah. uh, to to a um, yeah. It isn't the guy like, and isn't someone like really like? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like the director who is um, actually uh, Osgood Perkins, who I believe is uh, Anthony Perkins's son, who's also using. I think I knew that, which is so exciting because I love Anthony Perkins and I love him like as like a um, dynasty performer. Because he has this whole legacy. Yeah, anyway, I love that. Yeah, yeah. And his, and his son is a director of a few horror movies himself. Yes. So, and isn't uh, his son also, not? I don't know if it's that particular son, but one of his sons is also in Legally Blonde. Uh, I might be him, actually. Is it the same guy? The guy who's like um, the nerdy, the guy who the looks director. like a, like a, like a, if Anthony Perkins were a nerdy beefcake. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's literally the director of the commercial. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's wild, yeah. Um, and then Kiki Palmer comes in. She's like, you know, late and she gives a little presentation about the history mm-hmm. of the the jockey and everything um their their supposed great great grandfather or great 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 there's another great in there yeah, <laughs> we really get like their dynamic mm-hmm. you know she's a bit more chaotic and more into whatever she's doing and he's just only like he wants to continue the dad's business you know i would but... actually push back on saying that she's chaotic i in particularly in that like performance of you know that speech that she gives i think what we see in that moment is this like here is how these two characters who are siblings and like a close relationship, here's how both of them deal with the routine aspects of daily life. She deals with right. it by, okay. um, okay. So yes, in a sense that it's chaotic, like she's late, she comes in, she's a little bit more improvisational, but it's still pretty like her rapport when she's giving the spiel is spiel like it's very spiely. And his version of, yeah. you know, his mundane, mundanity, mundanity, mundane, like, um, approach to his job is more low energy and so really what it is is just like they're both dealing with the same shit just one's higher high energy and one's low energy you know what i mean well, yeah 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 okay yeah. yeah i think that's interesting to think about no yeah i, I could see that yeah for sure <laughs> uh, i meant well chaotic is wrong i don't know well, you're, you're I, right though like she's more improvisational yeah for sure yeah yeah she, mm-hmm. she, yeah she's a bit looser with what mm-hmm. she's doing but at the same time yeah she at least she has definitely practiced that spiel many times she, yeah at least we know we know she's done this that's before, really what so. i wanted to call attention to is just how spiely you know both of these things yeah. are. <laughs> yeah yeah but uh it doesn't really go well with this commercial the horse relaxed to uh this this mirror ball thing mm. um the lighting thing which um, horse is for- this i can't remember I believe this might be Lucky, which I believe this is a horse that lasts throughout the whole movie. Yes, I think you're right. Yeah, which is like the funny thing because it's named Lucky. I, I mean, it's uh, probably not probably not an accident. <laughs> yeah, <that's right>. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and so like you know, and it's like ah, uh, it's just another setback for them. They're they're de- they're dead. They can't. It's like it's, there's a really funny gag where he's talking to like uh, the whatever the guy in charge of everything, uh, and he's like. Yeah, he's like, it's okay, you know, hey, next time maybe, uh, you know, and like, uh, you know, uh, there'll be another opportunity. And then they just, you see them wheeling out a fake horse behind them. It's just, just, uh, we're just going to do it CGI now, I guess. Uh Uh, So this actually basically leads them to going to Jupes to like sell a horse because they've been selling horses to Jupe and his theme park. And unbeknownst to them, he's been feeding them to this creature. But he's also trying to buy the land. Emerald is is going around the office and realizes, oh, he, you're that kid from that movie, uh, and that, and then that TV show. They shows him like the whole secret room with all his all the memorabilia from uh, 
the sitcom he was on, which is kind of like where we kind of like sort of learn his backstory a little bit more about the, the, the childhood thing, like the, the ape incident and everything. But of course, he's he's framing it as more just this crazy thing that happened. Yeah. You know, yeah, which is which is really funny because it's like obviously one of the most like the defining moment of his life, basically. <laughs> To the point where, like, even, even though, okay, so, you know, later in the movie, there's that little, those little fake alien costumes that the kids wear. Yes. Yeah, it was, which is a great fake out scare. I was like, as much as, like, it actually really creeped me out in the theater, like, and I thought, like, okay. But then you see, and they see what these quote unquote aliens look like, and it's just uh, Jupe's kids in, like, some really cheesy costumes. But the costumes are basically, they look like chimpanzees. They're furry. They have, like, a, a, a kind of tan white little face. It's like, Everything he does is like tied back to this incident that happened to him. Yeah. Everything, and he's just talking about like the, like we had mentioned earlier, this SNL sketch that yes, uh, the katanasense, <laughs> the katanasense. Yeah, they're all in show business. I mean, we've already mentioned this, but it's just like we really kind of get this idea of like this is business on the outside, the edges of of show business. And so yeah, so that kind of leads into that scene. They're 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 kind of like just chilling at home and they see one of the horses go loose and then oj goes after it and he sees something in the clouds moving mysteriously and i gotta say i love the way they got that uh thing to move it looks yeah it looks it's so creepy and it looks like a predator like they made it move they move it move in a predatory way which is really cool like yeah it's a sky shark you know which is like (laughs) really cool I mean, they they realize there is something mysterious in their backyard going on. Take and they want they want to capture it on video, and that's where they go to the electronic store and meet Angel. He's the guy who's watched all the episodes of Ancient Aliens. <laughs> Did I tell you about my landlord that I used to have that went on an Ancient Aliens tour in like Peru? Oh my God! No, you got to tell me about. Yeah, this. no, he like he and his wife went that he ended up it sucked because i really liked him and then he ended up being a trump supporter and now i'm like fuck you but yeah yeah um he was like he was kind of cool and then he's not um i still like yeah. his wife though i actually think he, they're divorced <laughs> because of this yeah. Anyway, yeah so they went to like they're like yeah we're going to peru and it was like this like week and a half ancient aliens tour they're like here there were aliens here there are aliens here but some of them are also just straight up just like historical sites that are important yeah yeah the incan empire so it's funny because it's just so fucking funny to me the idea that like oh i want to go to to peru to learn about like the inca um and then you get to go to the same it's the exact same tour except someone else someone who's guiding you is like and also there are aliens here yeah yeah like it's the only thing just same tours everybody else gets just for you special weirdos also yeah anyway yeah 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 the the alien flavor thousand dollars more or whatever (laughs) that is that is so funny well i was my guest uh bitter corella who was on um been on a bunch of episodes he was he went to a um uh, a theme park. I don't know if did you ever hear that list. Re- listen to that episode, the Ch- oh, Chariots of the Gods episode. I didn't listen we did. To it. I'm sorry. I- no, no, it's okay. It's okay. I know. No, but we. But he he literally went to this theme park that was f- founded by the guy who basically invented the ancient aliens thing back in the 60s. Yeah. He made a theme park in his native Switzerland, which is like like ancient astronauts or ancient yeah. aliens themed. Like that's a really cool things there, but like yeah. it was just very silly and like kind of confusing, yeah. you know. But but uh it was an interlock in switzerland which is like oh yeah 
Yeah, a little cow town out in the middle of Switzerland. And um, I really recommend uh, that episode. I think that's probably one of my favorite episodes I've done okay. by far. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Um, he, I, like, like I said or last time we recorded, um, that he's kind of the Hooper, the Richard Dreyfus of this movie. Like he's kind of bringing in the... Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm sort of like he's bringing a little bit i guess a little bit of quote-unquote knowledge about the subject but he's also you know kind of like you know he's kind of like the kind of the audience stand-in i guess yeah yeah i I would i would say that that's true yeah yeah you know kind of plays off of uh oj and emerald so they're not like really saying hey you want to stay here but (laughs) they just like they don't know what to do either with this thing and he's just so excited because he knows that there's something crazy going on that's what he's like oh yeah there's like a funny bit when he first uh, comes to the ranch where he's talking about his ex-girlfriend being at like again more uh, more edges of show business stuff his ex-girlfriend being on a cw pilot he's like mm-hmm. cw you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> also introduced in that first scene that we were mentioning with the commercial the uh cinematographer played by michael wincott the character's name is antlers hulse right, it's, right. <laughs> antlers hulse it also it's wincott not winnicott winnicott is a psychoanalyst from the like 60s and 70s completely separate yeah yeah <laughs> this, this is yeah no michael wincott the character actor who's uh he's legend instant yeah instantly recognizable guy like he just you've seen him in a million things he's just got that gravelly voice that he's just got that look like he like kind of handsome but also kind of scary looking kind of you know, chef's like, kiss of handsomeness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. For yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And and like he and he's like you know you've seen him you know you've seen him you know him he's been a zillion things so he was perfectly perfectly cast as like this gruff kind of like Ahab like uh, uh, cinematographer but at first year he's just like grumpy like he's just like okay he's seen it all he's jaded you know he's he's that guy he you know he's bored. Uh, he's B- he's, he's and- Bjork at the uh, midpoint of um, oh god, uh, what is that? The Von Trier movie, um, Dancer in the Dark. Yeah, he's. I've seen it all. I have seen the trees. I have seen <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. He's he's being Bjork's character in Dancer in the Dark. He's just so over it, and he's just so like grumpily whimsical and just like doing his own thing in his like LA home, you know? And yeah, I mean, he's like literally just, he's just like, like recutting old footage of animals in the like, yeah, he's doing, like the, he's doing like, <laughs> he's doing like the opening sequence for true blood, just like for funsies in his home. Yes. <laughs> Here's a buried squirrel. Like, in her, like but the, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, because like they, they, they call him and approach him to say, "Hey, we got something back here you might want to see that you might want to go take a look at and film." Um, and he's like, and he's just like, "Well, I mean, it does it, they don't?" They're not, not specific a game about now, man. He's like, yeah, <laughs> he's Van Helsing. You know, he's he's everybody. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And you know, it's and it's like, okay, well, you don't, I, you're not offering me anything interesting. You're not saying what it is, and so they're like, okay, and. But, you know, and then, of course, there's a scene after, not long after that or right around that point, I think, where um, OJ uh, is at is uh, closing up the stable for the night. And then uh, he sees a disturbance and it's like the and it looks like these little creatures moving around and like <laughs> the way the scene's done, it's like very effective. Like, I thought it was just an effective scare, like most like. Fake out scares usually are kind of annoy me. See, you know, I, and- I don't understand this aspect. I know people are like, I don't like jump scares. I don't like fake out scares. Like, 
I just, I do not, I like feeling something, you know, <laughs> like I'll just take it where I can get it. I'm okay with a jump square or like, I mean, what I cannot take is with the analog to what you're talking about, which is um like manipulative, like, oh, we think he's dead. Like E.T., fuck E.T., the movie, like where you think E.T.'s dead and then it's like, oh, he actually come back to life. Like my brother, like <laughs> stories of the Russell family, like my brother, apparently he's older, he's eight years older than me. He, when they went to see that and Brant, like he cried so hard when E.T. dies. But then when he came back, he was just so pissed. Like that I hate. <laughs> that I hate. Like the thing where, you know, they emotionally manipulative, like sadness stuff, or like the movie Crash is such bullshit. Right. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. For a number of reasons, but also markedly because of that um that fake that you think little girl gets shot and she doesn't. And I was just like, fuck you. No, I hate that. But for some reason, I'm like okay with a jump scare. I'm just like, whatever, it's fine. Like you'll as long as they earn real ones later, I'm kind of okay with it. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I'm and it wasn't really about so much jump scare as like it's the fake out. Yeah, thing. No, yeah, yeah. I mean either one, but yeah, I don't even yeah, yeah. Well, like, I mean, it's like classic, it's the classic, oh, it's the cat, you know, kind of thing. I mean, well, again, it's not a bad thing. It's Yeah, you know, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. It's not always a bad thing, but it's just, it is kind of funny. It's like, oh, okay. Well, it became yeah, such a the... normative thing, too, for a while, though, which I, so I totally understand the weariness with it. Like, it was so, like, I don't know. I used to, when I was on maternity leave, I watched a lot of, like, Blumhouse productions or something. Yeah, 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 I watched exactly. the one they did with, um because I watch everything she's in, I watched the one with Amanda Seyfried. That was like based on a um a true story about like a girl who gets like kidnapped and like brutally raped and then escapes or whatever. But like mm. in the story, but they made it PG thirteen. Oh my what? So it's just like the, a story of a teenage of like a young. She's not a teenager. I think she's like an early of a girl in her early twenties who's kidnapped by a guy and just kept there, and yeah. it's kind of bad. And it's just like it's kind of hilarious. Actually, it's like <laughs> this was just it was just so ridiculous. It like makes it worse. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, like, it's really funny. But yeah, and they use a lot of jump scares because it's really easy and you. Don't don't have to write anything you just like oh, oh yeah. and then we just like put in this like horror beat which is just a fake a fake out yeah so i like totally understand it as like this thing to be annoyed by and like wearisome with but like every aspect of this film nope it's so well crafted that it makes sense yeah yeah well i mean it reminded me of like the the the, the parts of uh like in night Shyamalan's signs that were actually actually scary like, I the, love, like the wait, words... have we talked in the past about how i love signs oh no i love signs too myself I think that's a really a great movie. I like it better than Field of Dreams. Don't tell my dad, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally, totally. But but like, it has a very similar feel with that like very subtle. It's very basic, you know. It's just like yeah. a shape moving around it's very in the dark. Even kingy in that way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very spooky and like <laughs> mm-hmm. effective. And it, but it turns out these shapes they're not actually aliens. They're kids in a suit, and it's just yeah. it's just the kids from Jupe's theme park yeah. dressed up as in little costumes. Which I which like I said. Look at them. They are they're basically chimpanzee costumes. The aliens are chimpanzee costumes. It's like this guy ha- cannot escape the thing he yeah. that, like that. Right. It's like, imagine if your trauma was just like so like specific and literal and yet was constantly always there somehow, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean <laughs> like it's it's like almost it's a joke almost. It's great. It gets him killed too, which is just funny. Like yeah, it's like yeah. it's, it's it's just like this very, very dark joke. I mean, mm-hmm. like, you know is sort of funny and it reminds me also of that movie nightmare alley did you see that 
Oh yes. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I think that's actually I I see Nope and Nightmare Alley in terms of the like darkly comic as sort of of akin. A little bit. I can see what you're saying. Yeah. Specifically in relationship to Juke, I would say. Yeah. With this idea of like the show the show business is a way of life thinking you can sort of escape anything and you can't really, you know. Yeah. Narrative exactly. The narrative is always stronger than what you imagine your life to be, you know? Oh brother, I was born for it. Yeah. <laughs> I I was like, that is so funny and so fucked. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. I, that's such a great, great, great ending to that movie. Bradley Cooper's really good at acting, man. He really you know, he really is. For a guy who looks like that, he really is. <laughs> yeah. For a guy who looks like I know doesn't he have such a punchable face? Totally, totally. Punch his face. Yeah. Oh, did, did you see? Did you see Licorice Pizza? I did, and he's excellent in that movie. He's so funny in that movie. It's like John, it? John Peters. Yeah, he's playing John Peters. Persons. Yeah, yeah. I, I liked. I liked that. I like Licorice Pizza. It's not my favorite PTA by a long shot. No, I but I, I liked it a lot. Yeah, I did enjoy it. It's about twenty-five minutes too long. But yeah, a lot of a lot of movies Night- are. <laughs> Nightmare Alley is also very long, but I don't think it's too long. Think- yeah, you know what's really, you know what's really funny about Nightmare Alley is like okay, so I didn't see the original. The initial. I need to releases. see the original. I haven't seen the original noir. Yeah, I didn't see. I didn't see the the theater release of oh. it. I initially when it came out, but then they a few months after it was like ran its course in theaters. They had a uh, special black and white screening. Ooh, and and like I watched that movie from beginning to end, black and white, and I can't think of it. I haven't watched it since because it's like it actually really worked great. In I bet, black and white. I bet I, that doesn't surprise me. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I, I, I know they've done that. Like, I know a lot of directors have done that. Like with movies recently, where they'll release like a black and white cut. Like, yeah. okay, whatever. It doesn't make sense. It's like, I, I like. Do I need to see Logan in black and white? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's... I like that movie for what it was, but like you know, like I yeah. like it doesn't need to be black and white. It's but very no, but like, never, I need no... to be like I watched both, and I think that the textures are better in the you know, like like I'm like okay, I understand that you feel that way, but I also think I'm good. You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly, and like, but but like, uh, but like Nightmare Alley makes perfect sense because obviously it's a it's a neo noir, yeah. so I mean, it makes perfect sense. <sighs> yeah, but uh, why it would look but like and i and um you know and say what you want about guillermo del toro his movies always look fantastic yeah and my thing with del toro too is he has and and my thing with specifically with nightmare alley is there is like this his i love the macabre i'm into the macabre i'm into the grotesque Mm -hmm. i like it but so much of the freak show stuff is reliant on like disabilities fucked up yeah that i wasn't in love with as the mother of a child with a facial difference so i was like kind of like okay like eh. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah like there's well, but yeah it's an ugly, freak show stuff yeah it's an ugly yeah. world it's an ugly world to be in and to spend time in and like i don't and the fact like i read some article where he's like and he kept that like baby the like formaldehyde baby thing he like he kept it as a souvenir because he thought it was funny and i'm like i don't think it's funny like i don't know yeah <laughs> like yeah was it a was it a real hard phone on the head yeah it's fucked yeah like a medical spot like a medical yeah it's a, and thing. it's like he kept yeah. it as a souvenir and i'm like that's not a fucking souvenir that's like a fucking uh, relic of a of a world that sucks and is bad <laughs> you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah yeah that's how i felt at least and but i think with nope is that in relationship to like Jupe's character is this, you know, guy haunted by the past who's trying to recreate, right, trying to reconstruct a future defined by a fucked up past. That that's in relationship to the neo noir element of Nightmare. Yeah. Even though they're both totally different movies, like in terms of genre. 
No, but I totally get that strand there that you're pulling out there. That yeah. totally makes a lot of sense. And uh, definitely, I mean, and they're all, they're both, I mean, still, they're both about shows, about the the, the edges of show business. I love a like show about a show. Yeah, I'll do. totally. <laughs> it's my favorite. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, it's like and, I love, we were here talking earlier about, I was like, I love movies I've seen before. Like, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Where were we plot-wise? We were tracing the plot. Okay, well, we were in that kind of stretch of the movie where they're they're trying to get a, an image now of this thing. But they haven't gotten the cinematographer yet. The, right. the, the crazy stuff really hasn't happened yet. They're just sort of like... So they have this like this incident where Jupe's... See, basically earlier, Emerald steals a horse from Jupe, <laughs> which is <laughs> a plastic horse. Yeah. Um, and which becomes kind of like a visual... Uh, I guess... I would call it a motif really, but it's like definitely like a repeated image throughout the movie. Like this, this it's a big thing where this creature sucks up this horse, uh, this plastic horse thinking it's a horse. Cause they're, they're trying to get right. like a decoy. Yeah. So it won't get, and then, and then like it's, so it has like this, uh, big, these, this flag, these flags hanging off the horse. And like, it's, uh, this, that was the first sense. I was like, Oh, creature is Plato's cave, you know? that in what way here? in like the idea like you know it's a uh, um it's the it, it's internalizing the image of the horse like do you know the story of plato's I'm, cave yeah yeah I mean, yeah yeah i'm just thinking about, yeah that was the first i was like that was like when i was like it's like the images it's not it's images of images it's not even just images itself it's images of images but markedly it doesn't it does not seem to agree with the creature at all no, like it's like stuck it, yeah exactly yeah so then no yeah so then it, it regurgitates it's like no yeah i'm sorry I, I phrased that badly i meant that it doesn't work if it's not the real true source which is you know just okay yeah okay i see what you're saying yeah yeah yeah, yeah. because yeah. <laughs> yeah, see how the plastic horse is kind of like it, it like yeah like you said it's an imitation image. yeah it's not the it's like, no we want the real thing baby but then it's like, yeah. the real raw uncut straight straight to the mains yeah <laughs> yeah pure on yeah the quest for purity for some reason i remembered it as internalizing the faked horse but i guess you're right i'm sorry so cut that oh no it, it, it does it does get it does get stuck up there yeah like yeah. with like this little flag sticks out throughout like for a good stretch of the movie and then it mm. pukes pukes it out later okay thank you <laughs> sorry she feeds the the fake she steals the horse the little the little horse from um oh yeah yeah so that's so that's what those kids were going to get back from their dad's park they were mm -hmm. just like like there's a scene where like juke comes by to give him a flyer saying i have this new show it's experience i'm working on at the theme park you want to go see it and he sees the horse and he's like hey is that is that my horse and like no 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 you know like that kind of thing it's pretty funny um <laughs> but then like uh they they see it uh, they, i believe they see it again right i mean yeah after that yeah they see it and i believe that's when they it takes the, the fake horse and they try to get it on camera and they can't because it's like this electrical field around it so anything that's around it like in a certain amount of area it'll cut off many ufo sightings famously like uh, something like object you know electronics will fail around the ufo or whatever right 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 which is like what do you make of that like as a historian of ufos is uh well i mean it's not all of them have that but like that that is definitely a thing well i mean because they had i mean apparently some of them have some kind of field around them i don't know <laughs> i mean like 
it's hard to say. It's hard to say what's deliberate, what is not. I mean, what is a... Are you more likely to believe a UFO story if the technology doesn't fail around it? I mean, I don't know. No, I mean, I don't know. I, I, it just depends because there's a lot of different kinds of stories have been told over the years. So like, I, but I would say that is definitely a repeating thing in a lot of them. Yeah. Um. So, and that's obviously what the movie, as far as the movie goes, the movie's playing on this famous thing. Like it's, it's, it's been in a lot of media about UFOs, obviously as well, mm-hmm. you know, go, Close Encounters, mm-hmm. famously, all, all kinds of stuff. I hadn't seen and, that. I hadn't seen Close Encounters like until like three years ago. And it's oh really yeah I don't know what I just missed it somehow and I think that's like definitely like top five Spielberg like oh for sure like, for sure also like, I was shot I was like this is a fucking masterpiece it's inc- like I see all of Jurassic Park in it like as a germ you know like oh yeah yeah I mean like I mean there's there's like there's like scenes of there there's scenes in this that are directly lifted from Close Encounters yeah. too like that is, they're, like they're yeah I can't believe I hadn't seen it and uh, yeah I was just like. Yeah. yeah, especially especially when they're like showing scenes of the countryside, like the there's like a scene in Close Encounters where, where the, the silhouette of the saucer you can see yeah. going across the land. It's like really great. It's like a jaw, very Jaws like moment. There. Yeah, yeah. Also, Close Encounters is really fascinating because it's like such a '70s movie. It's made, like it's a pretty bleak movie about a family disintegrating. Yeah. It just happens to it just happens to be about also about flying saucers. Yeah, no, but... I, I watched Close Encounters. I think in the same weekend as I, I watched Starman with Jeff Bridges. Yeah, and which is like which is like basically ET if ET fucks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was I liked Starman. I was impressed by it, but I, I I remember thinking about this. I was like, this is such a weird '70s world, and like I prefer the world. I prefer the '70s world of Close Encounters, even though it's like about this disintegrating fantasy, like. It just both movies are about fantasies, but one is seemed like more resonant with me than Starman. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, well, specifically like Close Encounters is just like it's got that that family stuff that's just very raw and like sad. Yeah. Like is, you know, is that's that a, echoed in Fablemans. Do you think? Because you were just you were just oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like I mean, you could see the roots of. I mean, there's no. I mean, I I, I like it's Fablemans is just like such an obvious like. Oh yeah, I mean it's a lot of it. Literally, probably happened the way it's yeah. presented. I mean that said, I love Fablemans. I thought it was really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, it's definitely to a degree. It is like uh, Steven Spielberg origins, Rise of the Beard. You know. <laughs> yeah. I'm obsessed. I'm sorry. Take over. I'm obsessed with if ET fucked. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what Starman is. It's very much the same same type of movie. I mean, it is like. I mean. I, I like Starman okay. It's John that's a John Carpenter movie. Like that's his Yeah, it is. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like his stab at doing kind of like a Spielbergian type of thing. Like it's pretty it's decent. I mean Yeah. The sexuality the sexuality of aliens though is so interesting. Like this is like aliens in general in film, they they always consume or or uh like territorialize or colonize, right? Right. But they don't they don't always fuck. You know, but an alien that fucks or a a, a, a otherworldly creature that fucks is like like our like our creature only consumes and right. regurgitates. It does not it does not fuck. It's just a thing in the sky. It's an eye, right, right, yeah, yeah, hmm, yeah. I know that is, that is a, I mean that is interesting. Well, I mean that they're they're I mean there are different ways that they do aliens and sexuality. Like I mean 
say like do sexuality kind of as a form of consumption or they can do it kind of as more or as like like the kind of colonized like i think you see that like in movies like species or something where like oh yeah wait what is species i remember when that movie came out i feel like oh yeah well that's the that's the that's like the hot blonde chick who's like a who's actually an alien human hybrid Yeah, 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 yeah yeah i remember when the movie came out yeah 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 i saw it in the theater when i was a kid um and I was like really excited about it coming out because like I mean Mark Helgenberger it, who was on um oh yes CSI yeah CSI that's what I was gonna say she's the uh yeah and she is her character is so horny in that movie it's so funny. <laughs> like it is so funny she's so horny for Michael Madsen's character like, like they have like Michael Madsen like Harvey Keitel is hotter than Michael Madsen and Harvey Keitel is not a handsome man like why did they keep doing this anyway. <laughs> Oh, it, it, was, it was made in 1995. That's your answer. So. Yeah, true. <laughs> That's exactly the answer. Yes. But uh, yeah, and um, but yeah, so like yeah, there's definitely a long history of aliens fucking in movies, and like, mm-hmm. but also, but but you know, also like it usually is used in a kind of like a just another way of like making sex scary or making or, you know or like uh, like well, my favorite example, one of my favorite movies of all time is Life Force, which is just like about this alien sex vampire from outer space and uh it is sex vampire from 85 okay it is a it is a riot oh my God, Tony Hooper movie okay yeah that one is a riot uh we, i did a two we did a two-part episode on that one excellent um yeah yeah uh it's one of my favorite movies i, I think andre's mentioned it before i think he's seen it too Probably. i think uh yeah and he's uh it's definitely um it's <laughs> it's a fun movie uh i will say that it's wild it's like it's like a hammer movie from the sixties, like a hammer horror movie with like What do you mean? 80... What do you mean a hammer? Well, ha- oh Hammer Hammer Studios was like oh, they did like Okay, I'm looking at the wiki now. Yeah, I see. Okay. Yeah, they did they did like a lots of um yeah, sixties horror movies with like Christopher Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing were like they're two of the big guys. Yes, Peter Cushing, yeah. We have Patrick Stewart's in this. And and yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He plays a he plays a uh, a mental hospital uh, the head of a mental hospital. Cool. That, yeah. yeah, it's a pretty crazy scene that he's in too. I don't want to spoil it for anybody. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, do check out that movie and that episode um, uh, in the Saucer Cinema Archives. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, so yeah, there's definitely a long history of that. Um, not so much in this movie. Not a ton of like direct sexuality in this movie now which i love honestly i'm just so like i don't know uh when it comes to like i just i want a movies about ideas and not that movies about sex can't be about ideas but like i don't know it's just kind of nice to watch a movie from a male point of view that isn't like you know Filthy. yeah i got, I got you know what i mean i don't know like i don't know yeah it's it's, it's not concerned it's not like this like neurotic weird well, thing as an auteur but... you know you look forward to movies by you know male auteurs that are not so um yeah I, i'm sounding like a prude i don't mean it like a prude thing i just it's just nice to watch a movie that isn't like misogynistic or like you know yeah yeah you're right like it's not it's not like it's not like some weird coded 
version of like this guy's issues of women are being worked out. Right, which, which like you know, Spielberg has those. So, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, definitely, especially in Mommy. And Carpenter definitely does. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, he has movies that have no women in them whatsoever. So, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah right. Which, uh, to be fair, is actually kind of think a great thing about the thing. I think that's what makes that work in a lot of ways. But, like, yeah. for sure, that's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. But for sure, that is like a lot of, a lot of directors definitely. I mean, mm-hmm. fa- famously that just goes i don't know it, it is true like you just go back to like all the all the all the big operators there's usually some thing with women in there somewhere I mean, well, I mean, honestly the history of images is a history of like women being you know commodified and sexualized by images that's like the history, sure. that's art history yeah. so i think that it, there's a way you could read nope as a sort of inherently feminist messaging film because it is about taking on the issue of um issues as uh, the image is commodification because that's like, I mean, that's what Peter Berger, his whole thing on um, what is art is like, art is the history of objectification of women. That is what it is. That's why all our paintings are like nude in white, nude in also white, nude in white, nude. In white. Oh, here's a nude in black, but this one's super, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. There's that's, I think I would say that's sort of trafficked in that critique of, of, of the image traffics in a critique of masculine um, misogyny at the same time, I would even say. Yeah. Well, also it's interesting is like, uh, well, I mean the, 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 the principal female female character in this movie is a, is gay. Yeah. Like it, yep. it's not made a big deal out of it at all. It's just amazing there, point. Which is great. I forgot about that even. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's like, she, she's always talking about the girls she's hooking up with stuff and yeah. she's just, it's, it's just who she is yeah. and it's not a big deal. That's great. Yeah. Uh, Nice to see that. Yeah, um, it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's like it's there, but it's like yeah, it's not even it's like not even a point to like where they're trying to make they're not compa- you know it's not like compatible. It's just make it's just an aspect of it's just this team of people trying to save themselves and their home and their lives from this monster, which is capitalism and the um, concept of representation. You know, yeah, 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 <laughs> totally. I mean. What's great about it too is like they're they're like the motivations in this movie like they're not trying to save the world they're not trying to save humanity they're just like they just want to get a really good image of this yeah. thing and and like maybe profit from it because like they you know it's just it's just a very it's I like that aspect which actually is very carpenter esque in a way like in the sense of like the characters have kind of have mercenary motivations but at the same time it is kind of, it's not just mercenary for them because it is kind of personal it's about their dad and everything but it's not like yeah we're doing this to you know we're not because we're we're not really sure where this creature comes from where we don't really know like if there's any more of these things mm-hmm. there's no real understanding what the actual stakes are in a larger sense i was them, gonna ask about that do you think from what we know from the film do you think there are more of those things i mean there kind of like has to be but i mean but like i mean again the movie doesn't really let you know, but I would say like based on, I mean, cause like they angel brings up like a little bit dips into the history of stuff a little bit, you know, in his own way. He's like talking about how, like, uh, you know, he's talking about like the, the, the famous footage that was on shown everywhere, the government footage, you know, and all that stuff of, of UFOs flying around yeah. that were supposed, supposedly taken near battle cruisers or whatever. And um, like, you know, I like, like, I, I guess you're supposed to think of this as a, like, you're still thinking of this in terms of being a phenomenon, because obviously this is a flying saucer to a degree. It is shaped like a flying saucer. It is a thing. So in the world of this movie, I'm assuming that 
this is a, one of the things that is responsible for what those things would are the, the phenom- you know uh, you know what i'm saying like yeah. i think feel like yeah. i feel like but we're not given really any bigger outside view of it yeah no i was know? just asking for like as a as a you know person. speculative thing. yeah okay because i wondered about that because i feel like it has to be mostly because i also one thing we haven't talked about this thus far is this movie as a covid movie and if it's made yeah yeah as a covid movie um and where to even begin with that yeah that that oh god i don't even know yeah that's almost I mean, too much can you tell me um because only you have access to the internet i do not um i just i can't think right now um do you know when pre-production started when this was written uh i believe it was i, I you know I'm not sure. I remember it was announced 20... Was it announced last year? I don't know. I think it probably it probably started during COVID. I think it was filmed it last year. It has to have been filmed during COVID, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I did. I watched some behind-the-scenes footage and like everybody was wearing masks and stuff. So it was filmed during COVID, for well, sure. If we want to think about this as a COVID movie, we're thinking about it as COVID is necessarily in relationship to celebrity culture, to um, child celebrity culture, to the history of show business... Um, COVID was a thing that forced us all into our homes under under quarantine and lockdown where we sort of sought respite via consumption of images, mo- notably, right? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. It completely revolutionized and, um, y- you know, re-revolutionized re- um, the streaming industries um it changed the way we think about movie going experiences theater going experiences all that um Mm -hmm. but then this movie came out in theaters you were able to go see it in theaters yeah but it was still always this weird like it's still a weird thing to go to a movie theater i don't know like i've been to movie theaters since (laughs) i hadn't been since we talked about venom but i've been since and uh i don't know i i like i still have a lot of weird anxiety like being around a bunch of people at once um, oh yeah no that's, yeah. that's a totally fair feeling it's, i mean because like, I... i'm just like oh god um and yeah i don't know like well, th- well think it's like where i live south carolina right like we only had like actual true lockdown for maybe less than a month right which then, is insane to me. oh yeah yeah well yeah because oh, I, I, I live in the part of the country where everything is like back ass words but and like but yeah so like we, so like a lot of places were closed for a long time and things were limited but like yeah people are still out and about doing stuff and like yeah yeah i mean uh movie theaters were closed for a long time um but but they opened up back last uh last year quite and uh started like opening up a lot more and that basically by you know this year it was basically back to more or less normal Mm -hmm. uh so so at least here where i'm at yeah and so like it doesn't feel quite as weird as me it is still not the same experience it was because i it's just not as many physical people are there in the movies i mean i've seen i've been a few semi-packed theaters but nothing like actually truly yeah like pre pre pre-covid levels so yeah it definitely has changed so much in our society in, in in ways that are you know even while now in this time where we're kind of pretending it isn't existing it going on anymore even though it's like clearly is we're still aware 
Yeah. Yeah, which is kind of plays in the themes of this movie too, because like there's this fucking weird, blatantly weird thing going on, but it's like people are like, oh, I don't know. But you don't have a picture you know? of it, you know. You got to get a yep. picture of it to prove it. But then, exactly. You know what I wonder? I actually wonder. One of the like speculative things I did when I saw Nope is I was like, so they got the picture. Mm-hmm. You know what? It doesn't really matter. No. <laughs> 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 I mean, at the end of the day, it kind of really does it. It's kind of an I mean, I I don't know how intentional of an irony that is, but I think I actually kind of. Yeah. It, I think it's it's important to them that they because well, they've been insurance for them specifically, but not for the public at large. And it reminded me of another COVID of an of not a COVID movie, but of a Trump movie, which is the movie uh, The House That Jack Built. Have you seen that Lars von Trier? Oh, no, I've not seen that one yet. I've heard it was very uh, disturbing. So <laughs> it's not really a spoiler, but so the movie ends um, with um, the character. Uh, he uh, is a serial killer and he's describing the ways he's killing. He's being led by Virgil, you know, and throughout hell. Right. And so at the end, yeah. you know, he, so we understand him as narrating the events from uh, purgatory. Uh, narrating the events of his like serial killer. So at the end of the movie, uh, he uh, is trying to escape. He tries to escape hell. He's like trying to climb this like wall area to get up to earth again. And Virgil's like, don't do it. You're going to fall down. You know, you're going to fall down to the, the pits of hell. And he does. And he just falls. You see him, you know, fall down to like the bellows of hell and to i assume to obliteration because there's like fire and like whatever you know and the thing is it's like oh yeah like even though he like he was trying to avoid accountability to the end he was literally like dead and he was like i'm gonna avoid hell by you know trying to leave and uh and there's no real consequence the consequence is what he loses he what because he just falls down the hole he just sort of evaporates from existence in that sense, he kind of wins, right? He ruined everybody's life. He ruined so many people's lives. He ruined so many people's childhoods. They're everything. And then there's just kind of no consequence. And to me, that's, I, I see this sort of, if we're going to do like a cinema of COVID or a cinema of 2020s, um, or the cinema of the late, the late 2010s and through the 20s, like, yeah, there's something kind of like a cinema of no consequence, a cinema of nothing, or no, no, not no consequence, no accountability. Yeah, it's just sort of done. There's no hmm, okay. You got to put, you got a picture of it. You because also it doesn't even matter if yeah they got Michael Wincott, they got uh, all these people, they got Angel, they got all these team members, you know, doing their thing to establish that what they saw was real. But the thing is, most people don't care about shit like that. No. Most people don't. They're, they don't really think at all. And I, I don't know. I used to be such a... I never thought of myself as a Pollyanna, but I really was. I really thought that, like, people faced, forced to face with, like, evidence of, like, wrongdoing and evil and systemic injustice. They would see it. And they'd be like, oh, that's bad. If not, change their mentality. Like, I was never, like, a Pollyanna in the sense that I was like, oh, they're not going to change. But, like, I was, I was like, they'll at least recognize it, right? No. No, Alex. No. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, sorry. Sorry to, like, take you on, like, a psychological journey of my life. But, like, that's, I mean, did you have a similar sort of journey? You know, no, I, you know, I kind of, I did. I mean, sort of. I, I, I like, 
I guess I was a little more cynical starting off, but like then like the Trump stuff and then just seeing just seeing where this country, where the world has gone. I I'm just not saying just this country, but like, you know, uh, but you know, especially our country and like, especially just the way, just the way information itself is just, uh, everything is just, uh, yeah. Like you said, like there's no accountability. It's just, everything feels like it's almost like it doesn't even matter that so many people died from this thing. It just, it's just okay. We're just on to our next thing. We're just pretend it's. We talk. We talk about like a feeling economy, like a, an economy based on helping people feel better or feel correct in their choices. But I actually don't even think it's a feeling economy. I think it's like a impulse economy or a stasis yeah. economy, a thing that just like sort of skims the surface surface of humanity that allows pe- the most normative, boring piece of shit on planet Earth who's never had a thought in their fucking head just like be fine you know whatever we can do to cater to that sorry i sound like a like a left joe rogan right now but i'm like i don't know just like yeah but but uh, no i mean it it totally is i mean it really is frustrating because like you just you see i I think you just see people hit their limit of what they can take and like it just like but that's frustrating because it's like yeah i thought yeah no but the thing about like you hit you think you hit a limit but like but then you have to take more because that's just like what being a person is right yeah people are just like, giving up their commitments to being a person they're just like oh i'm not going to do that anymore because uh like covid is over or um and it, i just how come it, it, i didn't realize i think until the last couple years that deciding when you could stop being a person was a choice that one could make because I thought mm-hmm. personhood was like a thing where we were all in it together to keep each other keep each other safe, and it's like actually no, <laughs> that's not true. Mm. <laughs> and, no, and it was never true, or maybe it was true at one point, but certainly not in my lifetime. And I never realized that. And yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> I, I, yeah, no, I, I totally. I think honestly, the first time I felt that kind of like hopelessness was like after i mean the iraq war you know yeah the first, the first yeah. like i i just remember you know to be fair you're also a few years older than me so i hope you'll forgive me if that i oh no that's okay no that's okay totally true i mean uh, that's just one of my that's one of my reference points yeah you know, like yeah. like that i remember like okay 9-11 happened it was a huge thing obviously people are acting in ways that are kind of like because it's like a huge trauma i mean yeah. it's just all around all around a horrible thing mm-hmm. and a scary thing and everything for like especially the first few months, you totally understand that feeling. But after a while, like when more facts came in, when, and when like people could finally get their heads together about it, it was just like too late. Like, yeah, the machinery was just in there, just like start exploiting it and making it into a, a, a war thing. And then, uh, and then there's just like this endless march to war. It was just like, it was, it was unbelievable. Like, yeah. Uh, it was just like, I was like, how is outcast are one of our few popular culture, like points of residence. He's like bombs over Baghdad. Like, it's like, they understand this is wrong. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It was just like, so clearly dumb and wrong, but at the same time, like it was like, there was no dissenting voice in the media whatsoever. The media, they, they, it was just crazy. Like, like the old, like, that was just crazy. Like the, the farthest left voice that you could get on TV was like John Stewart or somebody. Or like you the Dixie Chicks. Or sorry, the now the yeah, Chicks. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Speaking of actual cancel culture, they actually were canceled. They were fucking by... canceled. 
by like everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was just because they were just like criticizing the president and like, yeah. yeah and like, uh, and you know, I mean, again, like I, I also lived in the nineties. I saw like, like the, the Cl- like Clinton, I was like, like it, it was definitely a different feeling before nine eleven. Like I'm not joking. Like like lots of bad shit happened in the nineties. Lots of bad shit. But but like you never quite felt that the world was gonna yeah. Like, it was like under your feet was actually falling away. It was and that's like realistic. What... It was less like oh this is really bad right now. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, I mean, exactly. Like, like there's lots of bad things happening. I mean, like people die, like Columbine, things like that. But it was like, it wasn't, it wasn't, didn't, it felt, didn't feel like, Yeah. it didn't feel like quite like, I mean, there was like this hysteria about Y2K and stuff like that, but it was just like almost, that was just kind of hokey. You know, January 6th to me felt worse in some ways than 9-11. Like not, obviously death count was worse at 9-11. Yeah. January 6th to me felt like, oh, this is like an actual like systemic revelation of an overhaul that's already taken place in the concept of democracy. Like, yeah, yeah. Always already been um, a authoritarian. um, Yeah. Yeah. State. And this is just like a realization of that in a, in like a performance of these like nightmare dumbasses that are just like, yeah. Across our screens in in the. Yeah. Well, well i think yeah well i think it feels symbolically worse because it's just like literally this thing you like it's literally it literally is like yeah sure how many people died at at 9-11 it was like three thousand or two thousand something like that yeah yeah democracy as a concept was completely obliterated obviously to our listeners right now i am so sorry and specifically up davidson who are listening to this right now please know that i am so sorry that you lost your father at (laughs) 9-11 but i also want everyone i'm just saying yeah it felt more um like per like purposeful in its annihilative instinct january 6th did oh yeah absolutely like i mean it's like it's like it's the it's literally symbolically it's like oh okay the, the, yeah. whatever dream there was of there being something and, ever, and like everyone's making fun of like aoc being like i was afraid for my life they're like haha that's so funny it's like no like it's just because you think her life doesn't matter you know what i mean like some, yeah, some people's yeah. lives matter some people don't some people's don't and that was literalized on january 6th yeah um, absolutely yeah and, and um it was yeah it was it was it was scary for sure i mean yeah I, I like hilarious. the actress January 6th was also extremely funny to be fair. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well also <laughs> like the whole, like the whole thing about like it being, well also like the idea that like the actual government was going to be overthrown was silly. Cause like <laughs> those guys couldn't overthrow a fucking no, blockbuster they were video. So stupid. And then I also yeah. felt like a similar thing at, at Uvalde where um, I was just like, well this, that, that also felt sort of like worse. I mean, most school shoot, I mean, all the school shootings felt like, but Uvalde yeah. in particular, cause it was just like, Oh, they're just, yeah, they're just not gonna. Okay, all right. And then also the fact that they didn't, when they um re- released the footage from the incident, um, they didn't release the audio because they couldn't, because the 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 visual was okay, but people couldn't handle the screaming of the children. Right. And that was seemed really like fucked and interesting and worth interrogating, and also sort of feeds back into Nope, where this idea of the image is this totalizing um thing that you can sort of that fuels our economy and fuels our attention economy and fuels our uh civilization understanding of ourselves in the world right audio is this thing that like cuts 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 within us and sort of deviates from that which is why the creature rejects audio and also why 
this movie and Jordan Peele's of in general has such a strong relationship to like music and like sound and I don't know something I'm thinking. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's there, there's that constant like um whenever you see like the creature flying over above, like it's like uh you hear the screams of the people. Inside, yeah, you can hear it. Terrifying. Yeah. yeah, it's like at first you think it's like oh it's like a it's like a it's it's very eerie and like very strange, but it's also you're thinking, oh, those people are getting eaten right now. <laughs> it's also very cool. and that's very Spielberg too. Spielberg has always had really good strong sound design. Um, I mean, oh yeah, yeah. Rydstrom is the sound is was did all the sound for Jurassic Park um, specifically, and uh, I well, he went to, I, when I first went to Northwestern, he gave a talk about the mm-hmm. sounds he used to like come up with the. Um, uh, uh, well, he also talked about for his work for Pixar and like also how in Apple and how he created the sound of the, um, you know, when you drag something to the recycle bin on an on a Yeah. Plane. Like he created that sound. He's like, I threw a piece of paper into a, uh, into a, a trash bin and then I um, added like a bunch of aluminum to it. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> <laughs> it was really interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's it so cool. It was the cool. He's also really nice. And I was like, so you make million, you are literally a, you're a multi, multi, multi-millionaire and you deserve it. I've decided. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, for some reason, I'm like, it's okay that you make, the wealth gap is acceptable, but only for you, Gary Rydstrom. <laughs> because yeah. you must sound nerd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, the, the, it is cool. Like, like the, like the, like the type of people, the Foley artists and the effects artists and yeah. people do all that kind of stuff. It's really cool. Like, I, I'd love that job. That would be fun. I know, wouldn't it? Be. Oh, it's the yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, um, uh, yeah, and like, there's lots of good sound design. This, like, the creature makes like this giant, like, weird throaty kind of like clicking noise. Yes, too. the clicking, which is also to your point, very predator. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, like, uh, in the more recent Dune movie, like, there the the sandworms have a similar kind of sound too. Like, the sandworms do have a lot in common with the creature here, and that they're just big giant mouths. Yes. You know? Oh my god, the mouths, the mouthiness. Yes, okay, so it's a giant mouth, but it doesn't seem to really have teeth. Is that correct or no? Not no, I don't think so. I think it just kind of sucks things up with its whatever it's doing and then yeah. it just kind of digests it. It's like yeah. it just it's just an ingester. There's no tongue, there's no teeth, it's just this like open maw that then also importantly closes. <laughs> yes. And oh, I just that like little container of gooiness that you know is the our alien gooiness that we get in the film. Um, yeah, yeah, like yeah, like so we have so like we lead up to the middle of the movie where we finally realize Jupe is the one who's been the reason the whole the whole reason this creature is here is because Jupe has been feeding it these horses that he's been buying from the uh, Haywoods. I think that's their names, the Haywoods. Like yes, Haywoods. they are the Haywoods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like. It's it's basically just parked there because it's like, hey, free food. I got this food, so it's just been like hanging around this area. This was pretty much what animals do, generally speaking. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's you know, yeah. so like, um, but it's so it, not. It's not like animal like consumption, like like pigs, like in Clive Barker. It's not Clive Barker. It's no. It's extraterrestrial. Obviously, it's it's not an old god. It's a new alien. Yeah right 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 i mean it, yeah when it came to earth or how it came to earth it's just no we have no idea yeah. but it it's new definitely to us. <laughs> yeah it's new to us but it, but it's but it's definitely it's definitely like 
taking his time just hanging out in the clouds and like the, yeah. there's also like this cool scene where they they, they realize it's hiding in a cloud um mm-hmm. or it has like the, or generates like this cloud around it or whatever yeah. it's like just hiding and like this cloud's not moving and like that's really cool um but we're, we're basically like we, we're we finally see like what jupe has been talking about with the show and everything he's been building up to and like it's like his this is his final his actual premiere for people like the employees at the park and a few guests and extra stuff uh and he's basically just showing off this new show he has and he has this horse in a cage in a glass case mm-hmm. um and he's like well you know a few months ago i saw this saucer come out of the sky one night and take my horse take the horse i had or whatever and he's like uh, and so he basically he just thinks, well, these 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 aliens are here, and they are uh, another funny pointed thing is that he goes, I call them the viewers. Yes. Oh, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Oh my god. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. These these aliens, the viewers, and he's like, <laughs> and he's like, yeah. So we're just gonna wait until this thing shows up, and uh, then our show will start. So, but or, or you know, so but. And, you know, he brings out his kids and is like, hey, you know, they're in their costumes from earlier. Um, and uh, we also see the one of his co-stars from the um, the, uh, the Gordy attack yeah. uh, who survived. And she is like, like, we, she's like has her face covered and everything. It's like really sad. You just like see this horribly disabled, disfigured woman, like just sitting out in like the it's just like yeah and like she she has like pictures of all her old stuff and it's just like she's she like him she's clinging to his her fame but like it's like even more sad because she can't like she can't be that person that she was back then because she's been horribly deformed and (laughs) mutilated by this animal and so like it's just really sad and he introduces her like yeah my first crush or my first kiss or whatever or something (laughs) i don't know whatever it was it's like oh god um and uh you know the creature shows up and eats him everybody i mean (laughs) (laughs) not it's literally not what he was expecting at all like he he didn't he's like oh i really fucked up here you could just see it in his face but he's also kind of like still mesmerized by it yeah yeah like to the end he's just like the spectacle, oh the spectacle yeah can we talk yeah. about um jean jacket yeah 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 so yeah so jean jacket is the name of one of these horses uh or actually no, my, son, name my son is named jean jacques and he uh-huh. had a jacket that had embroidered as a gift that said jean uh jean jacques and it was his jean jacket <laughs> Aww. To, and he was he, he grew out of it years and years he grew out of it years ago but not years and years ago. he's only five he grew out of it years ago uh and uh he and it, it breaks yeah but so i was just very into that i was like oh my god a jean jacket <laughs> yeah 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 well, well well pointedly uh to i mean uh specifically jean jacket is a horse that uh was meant for emerald yes but she and she's uh, that, so clear i was like she's such a young like as the youngest like I'm like, I see you, Emerald. She's like very like pissy about shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. As a younger sibling, I relate to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She never, she never really got to take care of the horse yeah. for whatever uh, for a reason, and like the dad wouldn't let her or something. And, yeah, because like, they always think, yeah, they always think you're immature, you can't handle it. Yeah, I was like, I see you, Emerald. <laughs> and like later in the movie, when they dubbed the creature Jean Jacket uh it's kind of you could see like he's trying like yeah this is gonna be your dream this is gonna be your jean jacket that you get to that you get to uh tame like it's kind of like a a, yeah a a nice older brother gesture to his younger sister 
which is really sweet. I like, I really like that. Um, but yeah, so like in this final stretch of the movie, you know, ju- the, after Jupe and his whole audience is eaten, uh, that kind of raises some attention because nobody could figure out where all these people went, you know, the creature, which they figured out at this point is a creature. Yeah. Is, is, um, uh, basically go- hovers over the Haywood house and regurgitates the undigestible stuff, like the metal, the, uh, like the plastic. Uh, OJ kind of like figures is like, well, you know, this is an animal, you know, we're not probably not gonna be able to train this thing, but at least we could, you know, the thing is like with animals, you don't, especially with those kind of animals, you like predatory animals, you don't necessarily, yeah. you don't train them. You come into an agreement with them. You kind of meet them where they're at to a degree. Antlers holds the cinematographer. He's like, yeah, just ask Siegfried and Roy, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they do figure out at a certain point, like, you know, where like, okay, this, if this thing, if you look at it, it's kind of like what it is going to eat you we're like yeah a point of realization a point of important like thrust forward yeah he's basically just trying to coax this thing out and it's hiding it's just floating and hiding so they want to get it out and take a picture of it or whatever and there's like a whole big climactic chase around their backyard basically (laughs) um I mean, to get, again, it seems like part of this sort of cinema of the um, unaccountable, where it's this effort to get something to confirm yourself that something that you believe to be true is actually true. And it seems very, um, it's obviously metatextual, you know, metafilmic. Well, yeah, also there's like this, this, this like a tabloid or, you know, paparazzi type recorder is like, who comes up and he's like wearing like this uh mirrored helmet kind of thing uh, mm-hmm. which is very reminiscent of like the mirror ball from earlier in the movie to the lighting the lighting thing that they use for effects and stuff or or like the i guess it's to i don't know um do you remember what i'm talking about earlier in the movie it kind of spooks the horse yes earlier. i do remember that yes yeah yeah and like this guy's wearing that like a helmet like that and he's just like he's just asked he's trying to ask oh so do you know anything about all those people who died over at the park over mm-hmm. there and he's like uh just get out of here man we're trying to film a commercial or something and he's like curious and he's like what's he won't go and then you know <laughs> there's a funny part where he like he like drives this little electric scooter into this uh field because like the the creature is hovering above somewhere and you know, and then of course he gets eaten. Like OJ tries to save him, but he's like he's not moving, yeah. so it's just like okay, whatever. And then, <laughs> uh, and then the guy gets eaten up, and then of course, you know they 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 manage to get some footage. Like and uh, uh, the cinematographer is like just like he he just says like these weird cryptic things like oh man we don't. We, you know, we don't deserve the impossible or something. Like right. That, you know? Yeah. What did you think about that? That like, yeah. Well, I, it's like he wants to capture something. He, it's like, it's almost like he wants to capture the, the ultimate image, the ultimate thing. He knows, he kind of knows he's just going to die if he does it, but he wants to get the image anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It you felt know. very like, have you seen a gear of the wrath of the wrath of God? Oh yes. Yes. It yes. felt, remind me of that a little bit in terms of. Yeah. Ex- yeah, exactly. It's like this just crazy. Ahab like thing you were talking about. Yeah. 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 This is quixotic kind of like, I, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, I'm going to get, the, yeah, it doesn't matter if it takes me down. Oh, yeah, like, you know, like mm. I don't care anymore. Mm. I'm beyond, I'm beyond caring about. Reality is like life and death. Yeah. 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 And like, he's uh, pointedly, like, it looks very much like a, like a weird desert prophet, like in the like outfit he wears. He's going up this, like this little, literally going up this little mountain. <laughs> yeah. 
because it's like Matt. It's like now it's magic hour. Yeah, you know, he's like it's magic hour now. You know, and like you know, it's like, uh, well, what's he doing? And like Angel's like, what the fuck? He just said something cryptic and went up. To- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You just yeah, right, yeah, yeah. And then of course he gets eaten, and then Angel uh, gets almost eaten, but he hangs on to a piece of barbed wire, which I think kind of like irritates it a little yeah. bit. So it like finally unfolds and reveals it's like its full true form which is like this big giant jellyfish creature it looks really cool just very different than your typical uh, movie monster which is nice and um oj is able to lead it away uh and then uh he's like here uh, basically uh, he's like he's like we assume he gets eaten or something and then emerald leads it away on a motorcycle to the park and she cuts the uh balloon the the big inflatable jupe yeah yeah <laughs> uh loose and uh basically the creature eats it and again this is very jaws like just like the little canister in jaws that uh it's like it eats the thing and it blows up it's like yeah and that's the end yeah yeah, I love, it's such a, I love, I don't know if we've made this clear, Alex, <laughs> this is a joke. Uh, I love this movie. <laughs> it's the best. It is the charm, it's the charmingest, it's the sweetest, it's the smartest, it's the funniest, it's great. It's perfect. Yeah. If you have any constructive comments, movie suggestions, or stories of your own otherworldly sightings or encounters, drop us a line at saucercinemapod at gmail.com.